warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 211. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a walk rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Could it toss it, could it do we love it? Hey, let's make it clean, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, five, four, three, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. <laughs> and we're the Leftovers. <laughs> you got so fucking robotic there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Bumblebee. <laughs> oh my god, that was terrible. And I'm Soundwave. Yeah, oh my god, that was awful. <laughs> it was like the worst timing ever. It's like, yeah, and like... <laughs> The episode just literally started. It's like, (laughs) could we get off to a worse start? And I'm Jake. It's like, all right, Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto, let's get this episode on the road. Um, Was it it bad reception or was it? I I wouldn't call it good reception. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know if I I was talking funny or if my internet was making it bad. It was internet. It was, uh, yeah, you went all uh, robotic. So, yeah. Anyway, it's not just me and you this week. We are joined by uh, some special guests this week. First off, I'd like to announce from Scenic Cast, Spoiler Steve. Spoiler Steve in the house. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back on. That was a little delayed, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, with echoes and yeah. dog barks. Yeah. <laughs> Jake, nobody's going to get that. Nobody was around for that. Um, let's see. No, it, I heard him during that. Oh, okay. Oh, really? I didn't. <laughs> Well, you do have those super, super sensitive robotic ears. Anyway, I do, I do. Yeah. Also joining us, I, you know, I'm just gonna say, fuck it. I'm gonna say joining us from the from us uh, the supercast, Eric Wade. Hey guys, what's going on? What's going on? And look, listen, everybody. Everybody was like so high energy, and I hit record, and they're like, "Hey, what's up?" <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> we got real serious. It's weird. I don't like it. It's it's, like, guys are creeping it's like me out. Like being the hot chick, you know, when it's when it's cool, and you're like, "Hey, yo, how goes it? All cool, like." Uh, Eric, have you have you always been compared to the hot chick? 
Oh, man. I, I was thinking you were the hot chick in this scenario, but hey, whatever. Oh, fair enough. All right. All right. No, I'm happy to have both of you with us. Uh, we got a lot of news to cover and a lot of things to talk about this week. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about The Punisher a little bit later. And I definitely want to be talking to Steve because, Steve, you're doing a Punisher podcast. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, uh, we, we just finished, uh, our second episode covering up to episode eight. Yeah. Are you doing, you're doing them in chunks of four? Yeah. 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 This time around, we're not doing it by two or three. It's just, uh, let's just, because, you know, everybody binges. So okay. the faster we can get yeah. it out. So you're going to do, uh, one through four and then you're going to do five through eight and then you're going to do nine through 12. And then are you just going to do a, a, a series finale for the final episode? No, no, I'm just going to do one last final episode for the whole thing, just finish it up, because the way it's going right now, it's cut up pretty well, mm -hmm. the way season four, or episode four ended and episode eight, so at this point, just just finish it off with the with the story. The way the story is going, it's a little slow anyway, so it's it's easier to chunk them together. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll break down Punisher a little bit more when we get there. Uh, let's see here. I am, uh, we're going to start off with our iTunes reviews, so where's that, uh... Where's that bumper here? Hey, Jake. Jake. Yo. Oh, we hit a milestone this past week. With the old oh, iTunes nice. reviews, we have crossed 400 iTunes reviews, and I am proud to say that one-tenth of them are one-stars. What's our average? Uh, we're at a 4.5. Mm, that's not bad. That's not bad, but I'm just saying one-tenth for every 10 reviews, we get a one-star. Mm, I'm not impressed. We can do better. We can, we got, well, I am impressed. One, out, you know <laughs> what can, I mean. We can do better. We can we can get one out of every five. I think. Ah, uh, even Cole, even ah, uh, even Colgate only gets a nine out of ten. A dentist agreeing on shit. So I'm I'm proud of us for having one out of ten of our reviews being a one star. Yeah. All right, all right. We can do better. Uh, nothing, nothing's ever good are, enough good for numbers. you, huh? What what are you, what are you yammering on over there, Steve? Oh, just, just just saying, you know, that's actually good numbers. One only one star out of every ten. That's yeah, good. and it's not. No, no, I agree. The numbers are great. I want, I, I want the numbers to be worse, right? That's what Jake's wanting. But I'm just saying, <laughs> oh, it's okay. it's never good enough for you. We can't even have, we can't even have a little bit of a celebration with you, Jake. Nothing, nothing's <laughs> ever good enough. It'd be not, no, it'd be nice. I don't need numbers to know you're great, Brian. No, now, now, Aww. now you're just mocking me. <laughs> now you're just turning. No, why do you? Why do you turn this podcast to a den, into a den of mockery? I, I don't know why. I'm not. It, I'm not mocking anybody. I don't need those iTunes statistics to to think we're good. All right, fair enough. Anyway, this first one comes from uh, Clayton the Masshole, and it's titled "Great Show." And he goes on to say, "These guys are funny, and have knowledge of pop culture content. The Leftover Army is a great community." Is always there to help you understand comic shows and movies. Keep it up. It's a five star from Clayton the Masshole. I'm, I'm hung up on the Masshole thing. Is he like a churchy? Uh, like a mass, like church mass. Yeah, yeah, I'm stuck on the asshole part of that. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, that part I got. <laughs> maybe, maybe an, an asshole, asshole to the max. 
Oh, a max hole? Now, now you guys are just you guys are just making shit up now. <laughs> now you, that's a, that's max a, hole would be way cooler. You ma- should adopt that nickname. Not nothing. Nothing's ever good enough for you, Jake. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, this one, this one comes uh, from Easy Bomber. It's uh, titled "Most Entertaining Podcast." Uh, it's five star. Just give it a listen. You'll see for yourself. Amazing hosts. It's all right. Oh, that was a nice one. Yeah. Uh, twat beard. We've we've talked about twat beard in the past. I think he just updated his. And it's uh, titled Two to Three Words Max. That's a uh, callback to a joke from a previous episode. <laughs> and uh, it, he goes on to say, yup, and it's a five star. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, JTB702, five star. When are you going to get to the advertised content is the title. And he goes on to say, these guys talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. They will go on tangents for an hour about one subject and take hours to get to the subject advertised in their byline. If you can't sit through over three hours of a couple of cynical shitheads talking smack about everybody and anybody, then you should probably fuck off. That comes from JTB702. Wow. I'm always shocked by the cuss words in the iTunes reviews. Uh, You just put the little asterisk symbols in there. I'm not shocked at all. I'm I'm just shocked that you can't fucking remember that, Jake. That people can put asterisks in the uh, iTunes reviews. He sounds nice. Oh. What'd you say? Steve said he sounds nice. Thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for feeling the need to interject that asinine thought, Steve. So of course, of course, of course. <laughs> it's gonna be one of these episodes. I see. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Thanksgiving's over, boys. We're bringing spoiler Steve on. That, that's exactly my problem, Steve. It's just a big, nice snore fest. Yeah, thanks, hate. Thanksgiving, right? Hey, let's go around the table. What are we thankful for? Right? That thing? That what are you talking about? Not one star iTunes reviews this no. week. Uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, next one comes from Poop Deck 2. It's the Roman numeral 2. This is not the standard number 2. This is the Roman numeral 2. And it's titled Sun. It's a lot, it's a lot more prestige. Oh, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah, you could actually say Poop Deck the second if you wanted to, right? Yeah. yeah. And it also cl- clarifies that it's not like you wanted to be Poop Deck and it was like that was taken. Right. You have to be Poop Deck too. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. It's uh, titled Sunshine and uh, it reads, you are my podcast, my only podcast. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, PCL, how much I love you. So I'll give you five stars, always. <laughs> huh? That's, huh? that's not bad for five stars. Huh? No, I, a little... You, you, sing, you singing it really sold it for me. Uh, yeah, I think I had to. I think I had... You know, I really no, do. I agree. I agree. I, yeah, I don't think... I don't think... You know, I don't think I would have done the, the iTunes review justice had I not sang it. If I would have just read it, it wouldn't have done it justice. I think I, I, think I tried to... I, I think I gave more justice to that iTunes review than Warner Brothers gave to that fucking movie. Anyway. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> Your hand was forced. You had to sing it. All right. Let's see. I'm not done. Jesus Christ. I got two more. Uh, this uh, next one comes from Big Vikes Fan 80, and it's titled Great Podcast with Great Community. And uh, it's five-star. This podcast provides – I said podcast. 
What do you what, what do you think a podcast is about? People prodding each other? Uh, yeah, you just <laughs> you just like poke at someone over and over and over again until they get really upset. Yeah. Oh shit, that sounds like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. That's what I've been doing to Steve this whole time. Aww. <laughs> Uh, let's see here it's uh yeah this podcast provides fresh and authentic perspectives from from great talent (laughs) (laughs) don't laugh while you say that (laughs) i love the honesty of brian i appreciate jake's authenticity and thoughtful opinions i even admire frank from time to time i tupperware this show and so should you and that comes from big vikes fan 80 I wonder if he's a fan of the sports team or the television show. Ah, uh, I'm saying the sports team. Okay. Why yeah. no one likes that dumb show? I don't. Not enough to put it in their fucking iTunes name, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. No one's getting any tattoos of that show, right? <laughs> no. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, this next one it comes from Nixon Tonesy. Did I say that right? How do you say Nick's last name? Oof. I yeah. don't know, but if it's if it's someone you know, it's going to be another boring five star. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <laughs> you guessed it. You guessed it. It's uh, it's titled four hundred, and uh, it reads, uh, "Yeah, bitches." Review number four hundred. Great podcast. I dig it. Ten out of ten would bang again uh, with an update, and it's got the shit emoji. I think I was four hundred one. So. <sighs> Yeah, he was riding. Yeah. He was riding high, feeling like he was the 400th review, and then he he went back through and was counting them up, and he's like, "Fuck, 401." <laughs> <laughs> if I'm praying for anything, it's that our number 500 iTunes review is a really scathing one star review. <laughs> really? Yeah, oh, 500 yeah. be nice. Oh, that would be nice. Like the 500th. I just want the I want review 409 to be about the <laughs> the cleaning product. Right? Like, I want Johnson & Johnson to write it, or whoever the fuck made that cleaning product. Formula. One star. We had blood all over the place, and this just made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> Spread it into all the different corners. I murdered TJ Lamb, and this helped clean it all up. Um, hey, uh, <laughs> uh, so how many? That was like six reviews, so yeah. I guess... On the positive side, we get four more. We'll get at least one bad one by that one to ten ratio. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And that's all Jake's waiting for. It is. Hmm. <laughs> that's where all the gold is. That's where that's where Milky Eye came from. That's where. It's oh yeah. <laughs> oh oh god. god. Yeah, I set that one off. Oh my god. Yeah. So, I'm telling Remember? you once. One star iTunes reviews. That's where. That's the comedy gold mine right there. Oh God, yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. It's like some people, some podcasts are scared of them. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I welcome them. Bring them. I mean, it's. It makes for a fun conversation. It also lets you know that there's a lot of people listening, and a lot of those people don't like you. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite part. Yeah. Exactly. All right, yeah. Uh, oh God, yeah. I, uh, Greg Alenti. <laughs> I need to play. Greg Alenti made some. Uh, he made some bumpers for me when I go. I gotta. Oh, those are awesome. <laughs> yes, I'll have to remember to play those maybe on a break or on a future episode or something. Anyway, 
Um, let's see here. Because I don't have them pulled up right now. Where are we? What are we doing here? Oh, yeah. I, I do want to mention, uh, <laughs> what, what? What are you giggling over there? I was just laughing at the, that we didn't know where we are, where we were at at the moment. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. I want to do a podcast of the week. I promised this guy I'd be doing podcast of the week. So here we go. Yo. So you got yourself a podcast, but nobody fucking listens. PC gals about to tell you what you bitches are fucking missing. Back in the 80s, there was a wrestler. I ain't shit, but that's got nothing to do with the podcast of the week. All right, I let the I let the song finish there because last time I didn't. Jake's like, "What? What? Well, I couldn't hear you. What? What was that? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> that was at the end during a Star Wars bumper. I'd lost my mind by that point uh, of the podcast. All right, I want to talk. I'm, this- with it. I'm with it still. <laughs> Star Wars bumper? No, the, the old Star Wars bumper. <laughs> All right, anyway, uh, I, this week I want to talk about a new podcast. Uh, I think they're only on, like, episode three or four. Um, Eric Wade, you were a guest on it. It's Talks on Docs with uh, our yeah. buddy Sturdy. Yeah. It's a good, we had a good time with uh, the one I guested on. Sturdy, Sturdy's been working to get guests on. He had Mike Mike on our episode to talk Atari Game Over. Great conversation. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, definitely check it out. So Yeah, I reached out to Sturdy. And uh, I told him, yeah, I'd love to talk about it. I, let me listen to a couple episodes. And I did. And I really enjoyed that episode. It was fantastic. He, uh, You had the, was it, is it Mike Micah? Is that how you say his name? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yep. he was from that uh, Atari Game Over, that documentary. And uh, it was amazing just listening to this guy tell his stories. Uh, what I was really interested in, of course, was, you know, he, he's very knowledgeable. He's been involved in this stuff since the 80s. But what I was like really interested in was he was talking about like his relationship with Jimmy Fallon. I was just like, what the, what? I was like, yeah, that was such a great story. That was so awesome. Yeah. That was incredible. Uh, I mean, the guy's, guy's got Jimmy Fallon before he's a star and Jimmy's asking his opinions. So I got this call (laughs) from like a network and they got this thing going on. They're talking about me being on late. I don't know. What do you think? You think I should do it? That's a yeah. great, it's so great. Oh, I know. And that's not all he talks about. So everybody should listen to that episode. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. There's a million. Yeah. He's got great information. He tells some great stories from both the documentary. There's more Jimmy Fallon. I mean, it's, it's, it, it was, it was really fun to have him on. And, uh, let's see here. Yeah. He had, uh, you were on, of course. I mean, he, what else has he talked about? He's talked about, uh, a documentary that covered uh, 9-11, um, the Atari doc was awesome. That's the one you were on. I mean, let's see here. I asked to – I usually <laughs> cover – I was going to say they usually cover about four or five yeah. documentaries, I think, an episode. They look for everyone to make a recommendation. So that was – yeah, he's he's got something fun going on there. Yeah, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. I asked him for like bullet points that he wanted me to go over. He's like, do you want me to write the script out or do you want me to give you bullet points? I said, give me bullet points, and the bullet points might as well be a script. You know Sturdivant, so this is how he is. And um, so, yeah, it, I think it's called Talks on Docs. I think it's absolutely fantastic. They'll talk about politically driven documentaries, controversial documentaries, um, heartfelt documentaries, everything that they can talk about, they'll talk about that. They did a documentary about a man who documented bears that eventually killed him. Was that Grizzly Man, I'm guessing? 
I think so. Yeah. I think so. I've seen that documentary, if that's the one he's talking about, and it is pretty bizarre. Uh, anyway, it's called Talks on Doc. I highly recommend it. It is really good, especially if you're one, if you're into documentaries and you want to know what other people think about other documentaries, definitely check it out. Um, Talks on Docs. I didn't know if it was like, at first I was like, is it, a, is it about, uh, doctors? Talks on Docs? It's like a, like a WebMD thing going on. What's going on here? <laughs> It's about boat ports too. Yeah, talk. Yeah, I was. Yeah, that was the other one I was thinking about. Um, but uh, there, yeah. he wanted us. To, he wanted me to let all of our uh, listeners know that they're doing a giveaway for a forty dollars Amazon gift card during the holiday season. And uh, he did an actual podcast, like a little mini podcast for talks on docs that explains the giveaway. And uh, so you can just uh, definitely download and listen to some of his episodes and then, uh, you know, try to get in on that chance for that $40 Amazon gift card. So, yeah, definitely check it out. It is it is fantastic. I was I was very impressed by the time I got to that third episode at how smooth and how much research and and uh, things that he does for the podcast. So it is very, very well done. Yeah, I love that game over documentary. I need to uh I need to check that out. It sounds like you got a good get with that guest. Oh yeah, it was it was fascinating. I mean, everything down from like just just the video game talk. You Eric, you and that guy, you could you and him could have talked for hours. Yeah, yeah, we did a lot of I, I Sturdy said he was gonna actually get some of our off mic stuff that he did actually record mm-hmm. and uh try to work that in as well because he we had a lot we had some really good conversations even outside of that so mm-hmm. the whole game economics and, and that age and where it's come from and where it's going that's always been an interesting subject to me so it was really interesting to hear someone that's actually tied into the industry and been involved with it for so long he was a, just a great and he was he was a really nice guy too so he was just fun to talk to yeah, is he still involved with Atari? Is he working on uh, not Atari? Atari? He's he's I forget what company he works for, but he he's been in the gaming industry since like the nineties, I think. Yeah, he said like Maybe, over twenty years. Yeah, he it's been like twenty years. He doesn't go back to the Atari days, um, but he so he. he he, without spoiling too much of the stuff, but he, he he's in the documentary because he has a giant Atari collection, and um, he's really knowledgeable about it as well. And he talks about how he built up that collection, and um, I mean he he's got some great stories that he tells on the podcast. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. All right, guys, it is time to move on into Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, let's start off and talk about the new Netflix series, Netflix original, Punisher. Uh, The Punisher. Um, You know, I... Eric, I know you've been watching this. Steve, you're covering it on your podcast. Uh, Jake, have you even started this? No, I have not. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't know if I'll ever get around to watching this, to be honest with you. So it's just it's just not my bag. I'm just yeah. not the biggest fan of the character. I, yeah. I don't mind him guest starring on other stuff, but 
just solo Punisher story, it's it's just not really my thing. Yeah. I have gotten through the first four episodes. Um, I'm going to start off with Eric. What are, what have you been thinking about the Punisher? Oh, just wait till episode five. <laughs> episode five. <laughs> I haven't even rated it yet. Jeez. No, it, it, I, I've loved it. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I think it's, uh, it's, I know you don't like him. I do. I love John Berthall's Punisher. I would still rank him just behind Thomas Jane. Not very close, but Thomas Jane is still my favorite so far. But, um, I do like Berthall a lot. I think, uh, I, I think the story, the, the, the biggest thing that holds it back from, from being a Tupperware for me, I don't think the story really has any great, it's all very tropey. There's just no, there's nothing that's like, oh wow, they blew me away with that twist or yeah, anything like yeah, that. Yeah. It's all pretty standard stuff. You see where it's going, but I, I, I think everything served the story. It also probably they they have storylines in there that probably could be cut and get it down to like a ten episodes instead of thirteen. Mm. Um, that would probably be the other. But they all did add to the story, I think. So in the end, I you know I, I liked it. Um, enjoyed a lot. I watched it over about two days as all. So I must have gotten something out of it. So I, I would definitely probably uh, I would go with a high taste on that. Okay, uh, Steve. Now <clears throat> you're reviewing it uh, for Scenic Cast. Uh, what's the name of the feed for everybody? Yeah, it's it's called The Punisher. There you go. Yeah, you'd have to be an idiot not to find it. <laughs> so anyway, Steve, I, I want to I know what your thoughts are on this because I know you're reviewing it. Is it hard to keep a critical eye, have a critical take on it when you are covering it? Um, I know that you're probably going in-depth with the coverage and things like that. Is it hard to be critical about this or have you found it to be – even easier to be critical about the series now that you have to go through it with like a with like a microscope. I mean, ha- cutting it up and not reviewing it just in one take definitely helps with you getting to analyze it more. I've also I got all the other Marvel Netflix shows covered. Um, and I'll, when you say critique, though, do you mean like as like a comic fan as well? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Just the series in general. I mean, yeah. As a I mean, comic fan, I, I mean, just throw it all together. I'm just. It's one of those things where, like, if you're reviewing a show, recapping a show, I mean, you want to, you want to, you want to recap something that you're enjoying. I'm not. Saying yeah. It, the, uh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. No. I'm just saying. Is it? Is it? Are you finding it hard to just critique the show, or is? Or are you still finding faults with it, or? Or is it just working for you overall? I mean, it's an okay. Sh- it's it's a good show. Uh, I'd give it a high taste. It right now. I'm eight episodes in. I am. Uh, if I, I think I said this on the podcast as well. If it wasn't for the podcast, I'd probably still be around episode four or five. Okay. There's there's nothing gripping me or making me go. I need to see what happens next. While that happens in some of the other Netflix shows, this one is okay. Um, I think. The biggest fault with it is that it is only the Punisher, and I feel like they should have handled it like Legends of Tomorrow, but actually use all the other heroes within the universe. So I would have like two episodes with Daredevil, two episodes with Jessica Jones, have him run into all these people because, you know, he's in the countryside, he's in Kentucky, he's in Washington, you know, he's running around everywhere, but he, he's based out of New York, I believe. So it would be nice to not just run into Karen. Yeah, yeah, God. Especially at this point, you know, uh, you'd think that they have enough money with thirteen episodes. 
you know, there's no special effects, no special human powers or anything. You're just a, a damaged individual with like, you know, other damaged individual characters. So it's like the budget can't be that much. Let's bring in some really great characters that we are already identified with. Maybe even work on Danny a little more. I don't know that the uh, Punisher fan wants that, though. I mean, I'm hardly the person to speak for the Punisher fan, but I I would imagine they just want the Punisher solo series. They don't want it. Here's the the thing. I mean, the problem with me, at least, I know a little bit of the Punisher when it comes to the comics, but like with Eric said, I'm a huge fan of Thomas Jane's um, movie, and he's still my favorite Punisher as well. And this Punisher's watered down where he he keeps going through the is this the right way to go like he wants to kill the bad people but he's having this thing of who is bad who's not who screwed me over do they still deserve to die it's more of like we need just to have him murdering people down and being the punisher it's just (laughs) you know it's like there's 13 episodes where it should be i mean eric you're saying 10 i'd like eight this storyline it's this is a good crime story it's just they're doing a good job of having each episode have some decent reveal that keeps you involved with the story but it just it feels stretched because of 13 episodes well, i give it a high taste why do they why, why does netflix feel like they have to as far as like the individual series themselves have to make it a 13 episode deal like I don't understand. I've never understood that. I, Honestly? I know Defenders was eight episodes, but that was the big event. But it's like you don't need 13 episodes for this Punisher. So I think it's the contract with Disney because you think they learn by it. Because a lot of their other shows, they're cutting them in half. They're calling them parts. And Stranger Things is eight. Then they needed nine, so they gave them nine. I think it's Disney and their contract going, no, we want 13 episodes. So Netflix is going, well, shit. You know, give us 13 scripts. <laughs> yeah, even Defenders, though, they were able to have the leeway to just do the whatever. I think episodes. that one was – but we have four major characters from different shows coming in. So the budget probably and their scheduling, they could only do eight episodes, I'm guessing. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, as far as like I'm four episodes in and yeah, I've been teasing people on the leftover army page about it. It's, <laughs> it's not, what? A, it's not as bad. <laughs> it's guys, it's not as bad as I'm making it out to be. I like to fucking push people's buttons when it comes to the Punisher because everybody, <laughs> everybody's got a goddamn hard on for this Punisher. Uh, it's another yeah. Spider-Man homecoming for you. It's it's. It, I'm going to give it a taste it right now. I think episode three was my favorite so far. I, that, that right there. I think episode three was a Tupperware. Um, yeah. The other ones are just taste-its to low taste-its. I, I thought the series, the first episode started off as, as a very low taste-it. It was just so predictable. Uh, uh, Punisher's going to work and I'm gonna, I got a sledgehammer and I'm knocking down walls and, and, uh, you know, and, and then n- next thing you know, like, you know, the, the one young kid tries to reach out to him. He wants a friend at work and, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to connect with the Punisher. Punisher just wants to stay away from people and be antisocial and be like Mr., you know, I don't know, Mr. Back home from the war and can't relate to anybody. So get away from me, guy. And then the kids start hanging around with the wrong crowd after work, and then they get involved in some criminal activity, and then the kid gets mixed up in it, and then his life is on the line, and then the Punisher stops the bullies. And it's like, how many fucking movies have I seen that in? And they, they weren't doing anything new or different there. And then I also didn't really know if I could appreciate the way that they handled the scenes of Punisher in active combat. 
Uh, I thought it was a little ridiculous, the part where he says, uh, you know, they, they know that he knows that they're going to get ambushed. They get ambushed and they're being shot up. Men are dying around him. And he goes, and he's like, he, he's ready to take on these guys in that building. And he goes, finally, somebody, some action or somebody, you know, finally some action or something around here or, or a challenge or something like that. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Why are you saying that? That's so stupid. Finally, yeah, finally, yeah, finally some action around here. So I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then he's in that building and he's shooting up guys left and right like it's a Rambo film. And then none of the guys are coming out from around the corner. So what does he do to taunt them, to bring them out from the darkness? He he just goes, <laughs> and they start running. The birth all grunt. And then he start, they start running at him, and he just, like, kills him, stabs him, and shoots him and shit. It's like, if I'm the other guy, and I hear some guy at the end of a hallway going, bleh, bleh, I'm tossing a grenade down the hall. I'm not running into danger. Like, I already know where he is. I was like, that's fucking stupid. Um, but, and then, um, I don't know, he's kind of a dick when it comes to Micro's wife, right? A little bit? Kind of working in the house and fixing things and shit. And I mean, he's. I, I take it as he's trying because you've seen the first four episodes. Yeah, so she's you know that he's I know. I, I don't know. I know where but, it goes. I know where. Though. Hey, Steve. I know where it probably goes. I, I'm sure nothing happens. But no, I'm gonna side with you though. The writers are doing. They're they're trying really hard yeah. to toe that line. Yeah. Is he? Won't he? And they, and they do it for a while. I mean, I, if I was my yeah. girl, I'd be pissed that this guy's in my house and he's fixing my wife's pipes. What could you get any more? Could you could, <laughs> could you could, could you could you get any more like deliberate with like what they showed us there? Another? Uh, could you give us a better innuendo? I mean, really? He's actually fixing her pipes. Come on, and <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, come on. And so, um, just the character himself. John Bernthal, I don't just just the, his portrayal or the way they're trying to portray this character. I have not been a huge fan of since since the beginning. Uh, it started in it started in Daredevil season two, where you know you've got him hold like pointing a gun at what was it? It was it wasn't he holding a gun to that landlord's head and all that shit, threatening him, and then and then he's shooting up in a hospital with like innocent people around. I'm like. That's not the Punisher from the comics. He's not like that. And so there's some little character things that I don't agree with. Um, and But I am enjoying the series enough to, to continue with it. I'm going to give it overall a taste it because um, I thought that there was some really good stuff. I, I thought that the way they they brought the relationship around for Micro and, and the Punisher was really cool in Episode 3. So that was enough to keep me keep me watching. But I think that they could shorten this. A little bit. You know, moving one slowly. thing I want to want to point out is I love Brian Punisher voice. That's a that's one of your best voices. I'm yeah. very happy. With <laughs> thank, that. thank you, Eric. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, Brian. There is the uh, during episode three. I will get a little spoilery for one part, but there yeah. was a point where I was about to give up on the show. Really? Where I was like, this is not the Punisher at all. This is not. What I signed up for, what I understand of him, this is not it. And I was about to go off. And that was when uh, What's-His-Face got loose from the chair yeah, and was able to get the gun from Frank. Yeah. But then the writing was actually pretty good because then Frank's like – he starts asking specific questions. And I'm like, 
oh no, this is the Punisher because that gun's not loaded. And yeah. sure enough, the gun's not loaded. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Like, it's, so, yeah. It's one of those things, I'm having a really hard time with connecting with the actual character, like liking him. I I feel bad for Frank yeah. Castle because like his family was murdered before, right in front of his eyes, and it's like, that's tragic. But on the flip side, like John Bernthal does not make it easy for... He says he's not making it easy to make him a likable character right now. And I know you're supposed oh, it, to feel that way when you're when when they give us the scenes of like Karen in like season 2 of Daredevil and I'm sure upcoming scenes with Karen and other things going on like this poor battered broken down man and all this PTSD and all this stuff and I get it. I just he just makes him out himself out to be such an unlikable guy. That even though he's gone through all these horrible things, I have a hard time like rooting for him. So, I got I got two last things. Uh, one, I don't know what they who they were trying to fool the show, but I knew immediately that it was Frank under the mask every time we saw uh, his wife die. Like from the first time we see the the intruder or whatever, I'm like, well, that's that's John Barenthal with the mask on. So by the time like episode three comes around and he like re- like shows himself, I'm just like, this isn't a reveal. This is just like catch up for the show. I felt, and I gotta ask, would you rather see Danny Rand's mom die again, or would you rather see John Barenthal's family die again? Mm. <laughs> Which thing do I not care about? Do I want to see again? Is the question? Uh, would you no? Which one would you would if you had to pick one? Which one would you rather choose? No, to I was just again? rephrasing it. Like, which thing do I not care about? Do I want to see again? <laughs> Got it. Yeah, you just kill Punisher's family again in front of me. That's fine. I'll see it again. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Throw it up on. Luke. Do they show it a lot in the series? Oh yeah, he's dreaming about it all the time. You know, you know, you know him grunting, sleeping, and waking up to it all the time, right? <laughs> Go. You know, that, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's just a nightmare that haunts him. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I, I'm going to continue to watch it. I'm not going to burn through it like I, like I used to burn through like the Daredevil series when that first came out, but um, I am going to, I am going to finish this thing eventually. I'm just, I'm just not, I don't know. I just don't feel like I have to watch one episode and just like dive into the next one. Like I can't wait. So, all right. So, Punisher. Uh, Anybody else watched uh, Future Man on Hulu? I'm a couple episodes in. You're a couple episodes in. Eric, have you started it? No, no, I'm not. It's on my list. Yeah, Jake, you haven't watched it either? No. Okay. I... uh, Future Man on Hulu, it's uh, developed by Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen. It's about Josh Futterman, a janitor by day and a gamer by night, is recruited by mysterious visitors to travel through time to prevent the extinction of humanity. This show, it is a total ripoff, and it's a culmination of, like, all of our favorite sci-fi shit. It's Back to the Future meets The Terminator meets uh, The Last Starfighter meets, I mean, it's, it's everything. It's all these things combined into one with Seth Rogen humor and Evan Goldberg humor. And uh, it's got Josh Hutcherson from The Hunger Games. Uh, Liza Coop is in this. Glenn Headley is in this. She plays Diane Futterman. And it was weird to see her because she just passed away in June. Uh, she was uh, Tess Trueheart 
in Dick Tracy, if you remember her. Um, oh, okay. And she just passed away in June. So watching this was just kind of very, it's kind of sad in a way. Uh, and it's also got Ed Begley Jr., uh, who plays Gabe Futterman, uh, Josh's dad. I, uh, I gotta admit, I, it works for me. Like this, there's something about this show. I love it. I'm gonna give it a Tupperware. I, I, you know, I was talking to Rebecca about this, Rebecca Daling about this, and it's not working for her. She just, she's, she's not watching it. She dropped off of it. She didn't find it funny. I love the fact that it's self-aware. I love the fact that when you're watching it and something happens, you think to yourself, oh, God, they're ripping off Back to the Future. The next thing you know, Josh says something about Back to the Future. And I'm just, I, I love that. I, I get a kick out of it. And it's it's working for me. They take it a little bit farther, though. Like, like this show asks the questions of, like, you know, remember the scene with, you know, Marty in the car with his mom and she makes out with him? This show says to itself, well, what if they went a little further? And it and and it happens, and you're just like, oh my god! And it's, <laughs> I I love this show. I think it's absolutely fantastic. The James Cameron episode was fucking hilarious. James Cameron's house and like, what year was it? It was like ten years from now or something. It was ridiculous, but it was so funny. Um, I I love this show. I'm gonna give it a Tupperware, and it's you're either gonna love it or hate it because comedy is subjective, and it's either gonna hit or not hit. So, Steve, you've watched the first two episodes. I'm guessing since you've only watched two, it didn't hit for you. I've seen three. Three. Uh, what's it called? Uh, I hear myself. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Okay, so the – what's it called? The first episode was a low taste it for me, I and I didn't watch the second one. And everybody's like, no, this is really funny if you like Back to the Future, and that's one of my favorite movies of all time. So I'm like, fine, I'll give it another go. Because uh, I used to give the three-episode test, but I usually don't because I watch so much TV now. And so I watched the second episode, and that was a Tupperware. I loved that. That was that was fantastic. Police are here. They're beating up white people. And they just keep partying. It was just – just the whole thing was great. Uh, he, but he leaves his phone in the past and everything. Okay. Uh, and it's, it's all right. Like I, I understand why you love it. And, yeah, they're self-aware. They're meta, and it's good like that, but – I don't know. Like, there's just nothing about it that's making me, again, want to go to the next episode. Like, I'll finish it. It's good. But, like, it, that's all I can really say. It's like, if I'm in the mood, I'll watch an episode. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Uh, comedy is subjective. This, it just, yeah. for some reason, this works for me. It works for me on so many levels. And I, it just hits my, it hits that science fiction funny bone that I, uh, that science fiction part, it scratches that itch, but it also hits my funny bone. I think the comedy works. I think they use it very well. Um, and, uh, and Dan on my, on my podcast, uh, he was telling me the James Cameron episode is amazing. Oh, so yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's really good. And then there's an episode where, you know, Wolf goes, basically he wants to stay in the year 1985 and he starts this. He starts this restaurant. Oh my God, this is amazing. Wolf, what? Wolf starts this restaurant. And what are the two things that people love? People love food. And then he also figures out that the best meal you eat is the meal you eat after you think you were going to die. So he starts this restaurant where him and his buddy <laughs> take a van. They put on ski masks. They, <laughs> they kidnap you, threaten your life, sit you at a table and tell you you're going to live. And then they feed you. And it is, <laughs> and it becomes the hottest restaurant in town. And that's it, great. <laughs> oh my God. I'm cracking up. I'm loving this show. There's a uh, homoerotic uh, scene of, 
them playing volleyball and it's straight out of Top Gun. They play the exact same song and it's so funny. Um, I, I, this show for me is just, it's just, it, it's hitting on all cylinders and I love it. And I hope we get a season two because it is teased and I, <laughs> oh man, I, I really got a kick out of this show. I thought it was really well done. So, um, yeah, highly recommend it. Um, that sounds like something I, I think I would like actually. Is it like a half an hour format? Uh, the episodes yep. are half an hour. Yeah, I think it's like twenty-seven minutes per episode, something like that. Yeah, and I think it was what was it, thirteen episodes? Yeah, I think. And what's her face? I, honestly, I love happy endings. Yeah. And what's her face? She's. I'll watch anything she's. In. Eliza. I don't Coop. know why, but I love sorry. Eliza Coop. I've been a. I've been a fan of her since Happy Endings. And then yeah, she, she is. I'll yeah. watch anything she's in. She's. She knows comedy. Like I like her type of comedy. Oh, she's great. She's so snappy. Yeah. She's really cool. Um. She was in Happy Endings. She did uh, the second season of Casual. She appeared on the third season for a little bit. And then um, she was on her own. She had her own show on USA, a comedy, where she played a lawyer. And it was really good. And it got canceled after one season. So, um, But, uh, hey, uh, I just have two more things to talk about. So, uh, Eric Wade, what do you have for a good pop, bad pop this week? Yeah, uh, the final season of Longmire dropped. Um, so I binged that. It was a uh, really good, um, a lot of good Katie Sackhoff and, um, just overall, this, this story has been really good for anyone that's, that's enjoyed the, the overall arc that he's gone on from start to end. And I thought they did a good job finishing out the, uh, the series. So, um, I, re- I enjoyed that and I'll give it a total Tupperware. Nice. I, uh, I, I've never even heard of that. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, so he's like a Wyoming, um, he's a Wyoming sheriff, and it's kind of just follows, you know, I think it's based on some books, I think. I'm not positive on that. Don't quote me on that. But uh, the first one or two seasons were on cable. I don't remember which network. And then uh, it got canceled, but Netflix picked it up and developed the last three seasons. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Katie, Katie Sackhoff plays one of her one of his deputies. Um, and then Lou Diamond Phillips is also in it as well. I love Lou Diamond Phillips cause it, uh, there's a, it's involved with, uh, Oh, who's, uh, the, the Indian sheriff on the reservation is, uh, the Indian from, um, from Fargo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Hansi. Yes. I should know that he's, he's from Omaha, but, uh, uh, yeah, he, he, he's on there as well. He's really good. They got a good cast, so it's. I highly recommend if you're looking for something, uh, definitely check out Longmore Meyer. I think it's about five seasons. And so. so Netflix has all the seasons now. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Netflix has them all. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I love a good western. I loved Hell on Wheels, and then um, now they got that Godless show, which I haven't started, that, but yeah. that's my other one for my other pop this week. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. What, what are you thinking? Oh, it was it was fantastic. That that one is a Tupperware all the way. Really? Uh, okay, so so it, how many episodes? Yeah, six, I think. And, and six or eight. And this is yeah. uh, this is Steven Soderbergh produced. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it it's it's really really good. It is not what I expected at all. I mean, there's definitely your outlaw stories. 
Um, but there's a lot more slice of life stories going, going on there, um, which I didn't expect, but really enjoyed. They did a really good job. So there is, un- unlike what we were talking about with Punisher, nothing feels wasted in the whole thing. And it's, it's really well done. It's a, it's a dirty Western, um, you know, so it's great. It, it has kind of that Deadwood kind of feel to it, how they did it. So I loved it. Nice. Nice. That, uh, that's, that was, that's got me excited because I, I, I love a good Western. So what were you going to say, Steve? That was going to be my question. How would you compare it to Deadwood? Because Deadwood on HBO is one of the best. That and Justified is probably one of the best TV Westerns on the past, like, 15 years. Yeah, Deadwood's amazing. Yeah, so Dead, Deadwood to me is one of those rare shows that's kind of on a different level. You know, I mean, if you're going to have the highest of high Tupperwares, that's Deadwood. This yeah. would be right. This would be right behind it to me. And I think one of the things that pro, I mean, it's supposed to be a limited series. It's not supposed to be some something we see more of from. Um, so that with Deadwood, you had character development with great actors for multiple seasons. I think that really is what separates the two for me. But other than that, this is a great story, great actors. And I'm not going to say they're totally unique in the story they tell, but they don't just go with 100% standard tropes. And it's very enjoyable. That's cool. They earn the story. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. That's good that. So it's basically going to be a one season and done type deal. Correct. Yeah, if they, if I understand, because I I think they advertise it as a limited series, Good. not yeah. as season one. That's that, I'll be honest. I'm like, I'm, go, I'm going back here, but I loved Lonesome Dove. I don't know. Did you watch? Wow. Did you watch? I, I did. You did. I did not. Oh God! See, that's that's going way back as the Lonesome Dove. I think maybe that's eighties. But uh, I loved that. Yeah. But they they kept like you know here's here's Return to Lonesome Dove, and you know here's you know. More lonesome doves and you know, lonesome dove here. Right. <laughs> Plenty of doves. Yeah. <laughs> Holy fuck, that's a lot of doves. You know. <laughs> now twice the doves that you were expecting. Now with more uh, doves. Uh, Eric, <laughs> Eric, did you finish Godless? I did. I finished it in one day. Wow. Yeah, I finished. I I binged. Uh, I binged the whole thing uh, on Thanksgiving, actually. So. Nice. That was see. That's the thing. Like Lonesome Dove started off really good. Like you know when they had their original series, and then it was kind of like a TV miniseries. And then the, the more that they came out with, the worse they got. So yeah, that's that's cool. I'm gonna definitely gonna check out Godless. Jake, do you have anything this week? Man, I got squat this week. It that's was fun. crazy with Thanksgiving and everything. And I wanted to see Coco, and I'm gonna end up seeing that next week. Oh man, yeah, they got some new Star Wars footage at the beginning of Coco that we can talk about. Later. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, Steve, what do you got? I got so much. I thought you guys would have a lot more. I've got more. Uh, I've got two more things that I want to talk about. So Okay. Uh, I'll talk recent releases first. Um, Last Flag Flying. Yeah, that's with, not. they don't have that out in theaters here, man. Oh, man. I, I, I guess I'm just lucky because I got a lot of independent films that get released. You guys don't have like a Regal near you no. or Cinema? No. Nope. We've oh, got it's man. it's all AMC and Goodrich. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Okay, yeah. but uh, I won't I won't get too much into it then because I really do love the story. But I don't know. I was brought up with a lot of war films in general. I'm a little bit what you'd call war fatigued when it comes to movies, just because I was introduced to movies like Platoon, 
uh, we were soldiers, like Saving Private Ryan, right off the bat. So Hacksaw Ridge was good. And then this came out this year, Last Flag Flying to me, and it's a post-war story. I don't see much of those. I didn't want to see that one with Miles Teller because I, I, I'm just kind of fatigued of him. I'm a little sick of him. He just does everything. and not I, I don't know. Some things are believable, some aren't, so I didn't check that out. But I saw this. It's directed by Richard Linklater. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a, this is Steve Carell. Yeah, with yeah. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne and Brian Cranston. Yeah. Man, this movie, this movie was so touching. Uh, there's like one scene that just wasn't really believable because they try to make this commander very intimidating and he has that face. But then the dialogue he uses and the expression he gets into for this one scene just wasn't really believable for me. But everything else is just, it's great. Like it's one of those like, longer novels you can tell because it's based off of a book and it's just the it's just the aftermath you're dealing with this generation uh as well as vietnam soldiers because we're following three marine veterans Mm -hmm. uh bringing steve carell's uh deceased son to rest and you're just dealing with the battle of him getting the body back and then where they want to bury him and then there's there's more layers on top of just them as uh, soldiers in general, because I thought they were long, like they've been friends for since their, you know, their days in the army and everything and, and the Marine Corps. And, uh, that's not the case. Steve Carell comes in and, and br- links them together. Lawrence Fishburne, this is like the best performance he's had in 10 years. Like Wait, he's finally. Well, hold on, hold on. His Perry White was riveting. <laughs> In Man of Steel, <laughs> as well oh, as I'm... Batman v Superman. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up John Wick too. I mean, this is as good as like uh, as his his stuff and stuff in uh, in Hannibal. Like it's just this is where like like Fishburne. He just really got into the character. He plays a pasture. Uh, it, it's just it's so good. And then Steve Carell. Well, he, he, he just plays, he plays he, he plays the father on Blackish, and that did nothing for you. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't watch much of Blackish to bring that up to be honest. With you. I, just, I watch a little bit, but he just—he's the cranky old grandfather of the of the of the show. Yeah, I know. I just—that's one of those performances that kind of stuck for me. Well, that's great. I'm fucking with you, Steve. Let me, Move let me on. tell you about the, the performance by Steve Carell. All right. Oh, excuse, I, I, I know. excuse me, showrunner Steve. Yeah, have at it, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'll sit back. I'll sit back. But no, seriously, Steve Carell. He's great. He looks great in a mustache. Uh, listen but to you. this is a great, <laughs> listen to you. He looks great in a mustache. But, so but you're Brian saying like Cranston. if he played, if he, if he played Superman in Justice League, they would have been like, fuck it. Let it stay on his face. <laughs> Honestly, po- possibly, possibly like, you know, it'd be like, you know what? I, I got, I got an idea, says Josh Whedon. But no, Brian Cranston, he does. He he's unrecognizable to me. He's got this accent I've never heard him use before, and his demeanor and everything else is just a whole different role I've never seen him do before. And I hope he gets a nomination for a supporting role for a supporting actor because hmm. he and Lawrence Fishburne basically play the angel and devil on Steve Carell's shoulders throughout the entire movie. Does he and also? That's all I'll say. Does he also have a mustache in this film? <laughs> uh, he has a. a, a a uh, rough, scruffy beard. Yes, okay. yes. All right. So as far as dueling mustaches go, 
Is uh, Carell the winner? Is would you- oh no, Carell's got the the defining, definitive mustache of the movie. Okay, all right, yeah, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm asking the hard hitting questions. No, this uh, I've I've heard great things about this movie. I've tried to track it down around here, and it's not playing yet. So I'm hoping that eventually it'll hit one of our small independent theaters that we do have around here but uh this movie and what's the other one 13 billboards outside of ebbing missouri or whatever it's called that's the other movie i can't wait to see yeah i need to see that as well yeah that looks that looks fantastic yeah so i mean who, but, that's got uh that's who's in that one is that fucking sam rockwell and uh and uh, uh woody harrelson francis mcdormand yeah I francis believe? mcdormand woody harrelson and uh is it sam rockwell i oh, believe so i know I know Woody Harrelson. He's the sheriff, though, in that movie, yeah. and you know she's calling him out. Yeah, it looks great. Looks really good. Yeah. What else? I know. I give. Uh, I give that movie though the last flag flying. I give that a tough award. Oh, really? I would have never come to that conclusion. I'm just making sure. He <laughs> <laughs> did have problems with that one scene. It might have brought him down. <laughs> that, is, that is true. That is true. All right. What else you got, Steve? Uh, I saw Coco. That's also a Tupperware. That's just, it's beautiful. If you don't at least get a little bit teary-eyed, I don't know. But it's its great. Jake, it's a great movie. Jake thought it was uh, a documentary about Coco Beware, the wrestler from the 80s. Ah, ah, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I was excited for that Pixar WWE collaboration. Yeah, exactly. No, Co- uh, Coco is a lot like Lion. You got to wait a while to find out why this movie is called what it is. Uh-huh. You put it up there with uh, other of the uh, big Pixar movies. Oh yeah, this is definitely the best animated movie of the year. The 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 animation alone makes it like one of the best, just because it looks so good. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's, it's it's just a while. I wish I saw this in IMAX. I don't really care for 3D, but I wish I saw this in IMAX. Yeah, we've got Justice League stinking up our IMAX still, so Ooh. we can't see this in IMAX yet. Rough. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. I got two things that I want to talk about here. Uh, real quick, real quick, I want to talk about the documentary Jim and Andy. Um, what's the full title? It's Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, with a contractually obligated uh, appearance by Tony Clifton or whatever it's called. That's like that's like the full, <laughs> that's like the full title. I'll look it that's up. That's ridiculous. But um, yeah, uh, it's it's basically Jim Carrey 20 years later talking about – the making of Man on the Moon, where he's playing Andy Kaufman, and um, this is footage that they had filmed. Jim Carrey had a crew, a separate crew, filming him while he was going very method for this character, um, playing Andy Kaufman. When he was playing the uh, comedy legend Andy Kaufman, he went very method and would be Andy and would actually be Tony Clifton. And um, they've had this, I mean, Universal has had this footage kind of like locked up like jim's had it but like universal wouldn't let him release it until recently 20 years later was it that movie came out in 99 they filmed yeah it's about 20 years so yeah it's a it's i i really enjoyed this documentary i i the it's just that there are parts of it where i just don't connect to what jim is saying jim has lost it jim carrey's lost it i mean he is and he sat he also he sounds really pretentious talking about Andy Kaufman and talking about playing Andy Kaufman and his understanding of Andy, like a guy he's never met. Like he will literally say stuff like, you know, I was 
channeling. Uh, yeah. He, he was yeah. Did you see it? Did you watch it? Yeah, I did. I yeah. did. I totally watched it. And, like, it's not his understanding. He believes he was, like, possessed yes. by the spirit of Andy Kaufman. Yeah, he said <laughs> – he, when he got the phone call and they told him that he he got it and that they were making it, he was thinking to me – he was thinking to himself, like, where would Andy be? And he was outside on the beach – looking at the ocean or something like that and he and he said something about Andy tapped him that's when Andy tapped him on the shoulder and that's when Jim was gone and that's when Andy when Andy you know started or took, whatever yeah, took yeah, over, took I over. Mean, and it, it it doesn't help when i think it's like what a Dan DeVito is like you're just like him yeah yeah i know i know it, i Brian you know i watched that documentary and i i still I mean, there were interesting things, no doubt. Yeah. But I, I'm like you. I, I don't really understand what the filmmakers were trying to portray from that or what his message was or, you know, it just didn't feel like it had any direction. It was just a bunch uh-huh. of clips and comments. And whatever, like, they were trying to get through about, like, him talking with Andy's real father and him meeting with the sister and him – talking to Andy's brother and, you know, even Bob Zamuda and all that stuff, whatever, like they were like all the closure that they were going through with Jim being Andy. I found it fucking creepy. Okay. You know, I, I mean, yeah. that's their son. Their son died. And for Jim Carrey to be that, to think that, he, I don't know, to think that he and somehow, somehow tapped into, you know, Andy Kaufman and gave the family closure and helped them in their grieving. I mean, it was kind of, it was just creepy. And I, I, and then Jim's just lost it. So I, I thought the documentary was good enough. And there's a lot of, you know, interesting things going on about like the actual, like making of the movie, because I love the movie. Don't get me wrong. I think the movie's fantastic. And I think Jim Carrey's performance as Andy Kaufman is, per- is perfect. I don't think anybody, anybody else could have done what he did in that movie. But I'm saying it's it's kind of a neat look at how they made the movie. Yeah. It's just kind of upsetting in ways to to see. How I thought Jim- the Jerry Lawler stuff yeah. was very interesting. That that whole I mean, yeah. God damn! If I was I, Lawler, I would have beat the shit out of him. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. even Lawler himself said. Like when me and Andy were coming up with these schemes, we'd sit down and talk about them. And like the whole time, Jim's just acting like this fucking uh, asshole. Like this, just you know what I mean? This jerk, constantly taunting Const- him. Exactly. Oh yeah, constantly taunting him. And and Lawler was like basically saying like that's not how it was between me. And- he was the only one who was like being real about it because everybody else was just like sucking Jim Carrey's dick this entire time. And, <laughs> I'm surprised Jim even allowed that scene to stay in. I'm Lawler. surprised you guys. I'm surprised you guys finished it. I couldn't get. I was. My dad is a huge uh, of Andy and I, and we couldn't even get through the first like 40 minutes. We, 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 he's like, "Can we change it?" Like Jim Carrey's lost. It. I don't understand what the hell we're even watching. I don't think it was that blasphemous. I mean, you want to watch something that's blasphemous to like? The- I'm not saying it was blasphemous. He was just like, "I don't care for this." It wasn't like he was like disgusted over what Jim Carrey was saying. It was just more of like, I don't like, this isn't, I don't care for this. Like, let's not watch any more of this. No, I, I no, that's fine. And I, I, I get that. I'm just saying like, what I was going to say is like, you know, 
when John Belushi died, did you know that they made – I don't know if you guys knew this. Jake, I think you do. But they, they made a movie about you know John, Beluth, John Belushi and his life and, and they turned it oh. into like um, – it's called Wired. And they turned it into like where like John Belushi is dead and he looks back at the bad things that he did on his life. It's like watching um, – what's that? Uh, the, the Scrooge movie. Um, you know, like, like a Christmas Carol, a Christmas Carol. Yeah. It's like they, they basically turned the Christmas Carol into John Belushi's life. John Belushi's dead. And he's looking at like all the bad decisions that he made in his life. And I remember like Dan Aykroyd coming out on television and telling people, do not see this movie. This is not the John Belushi movie you want to see. This does not pay tribute to John Belushi. Wow. And it was really sickening. <laughs> it was, I don't know. Have you ever seen, I, I had, uh, I had, forgotten about the movie and uh i and why why you know when dan Aykroyd said don't watch it i had forgotten all of that and i rented it years later it was called wired and i started it and i did get 20 minutes into it before i turned it off it was that disgusting (laughs) of a movie Mm. so yeah i remember when it came out and just how taboo it was and Mm -hmm. all that dan Aykroyd stuff yeah i was pretty young but i remember my mom being super against it yeah a big fan of Belushi. Yeah, yeah. I see like I I I kind of remembered that from when I was a kid, but then when I saw it years later, I was like, "Oh, I'll check this out." And then I was like, "Now I remember why I never watched it." <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to as far as that documentary, I'm just going to give it a taste it. Um it was it was kind of cool just to see like, you know, all the things that that happened during the filming and and yeah, Jim Carrey went really method with that performance, but it was almost insulting and pretentious and yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. So let's take a quick break and come back and do news. Hey, we are back. We're going to jump into news here real quick, but I forgot to bring up something in Good Pop, Bad Pop that I did want to talk about. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I am going to talk a little bit about Marvel's Runaways on Hulu. Uh, have, you, has, have any of you started this? I'm yes. Not. All, everyone at once. No. Yes. No. Okay. Uh, Steve, I'm scared to even ask. You've started it? Yes. Okay, what are you thinking? Marvel's Runaways. I think it's <laughs> really good, borderline great. I need to see a little bit more. Okay, how many episodes really are you in? I'm really excited to see what's going on. How many episodes are you in? All three. All three. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, if, if you guys didn't know, uh, I'm doing a uh, Marvel's Runaways recap uh, on iTunes. You can check it out. It's called Runaways TV Talk. I, it, you know, this is basically, it's, uh, an adaptation of the comic book. They've taken some liberties with some of the things and decisions that they've done from the comic, but, uh, I am enjoying the fuck out of it. I love it. And I know people are going to compare it to like CW stuff. And I feel like 
anytime you get teenagers and drama, everybody's just going to compare it immediately to a CW show. And it's like, guys, that's just, then you, I guess, I guess we can compare the Breakfast Club to a CW show too. And we can compare, you know, I mean, it's just. Uh, can, wait, wait, I want to chime in here for a second. I think this is better than the CW shows because we're watching actual kids in high school. I, yeah, I think I, I love this show. I think it's great, man. I, I, I'd say a few weeks before it came out, I, I contacted Rebecca and I said, listen, I, I you know, if, if, would you want to do this podcast? I said, I, I don't even know if I want to do it. I'm going to wait and see how, what it's like when it comes out. And if it's great, then I might want to do a podcast about it. And then of course it comes out and I literally 20 minutes into it, I text Rebecca. I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking I like it. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, 20 more minutes go by and I text her. I go, we're doing a show. I love this. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I absolutely love it. So if you want to hear more thoughts about the show itself, uh, check out, check out Runaways TV talk. I give it a Tupperware, my show is what I'm talking about. I Tupperware my show. I think it's great. No, I think the, I think Runaways on Hulu is fantastic. I, I love it. I think the, the parents are great in the show. I think all the kids are really good in the show. Uh, the special effects are good. The story's great. I'm I'm having I'm having a lot of fun with it. So, Where, how would you compare it to, say, The Gifted? Dude, I've only watched one episode of The Gifted, and I think. Oh, really? Yeah, and, and this this hooked me. This hooked me from the first episode. Like, okay, The Gifted was okay. I I I feel like you know, and I can't really give you the definitive answer, but just from like if I'm comparing pilot episodes, it's it's superior in my opinion. I really, okay. I really feel like it is. I think it's fantastic. There's, uh, there's adult language in this one, you know. Um, there's references about masturbation. Um, it's hilarious. I think it's absolutely hilarious and just, and just a well done TV show. So, uh, Runaways on Hulu. Definitely check it out and definitely check out my podcast, Marvels. It's called, uh, podcast is called, uh, Runaways TV Talk. So yeah, definitely download that. Let's move on into news. News. Alright. Yeah, you guys been following this uh, Quentin Tarantino stuff? About his last movie? Uh, is it is this his last movie? Is this, is that what they're on now? Or does he have a few left? I thought they were saying this next one's his last one. I know that he had said uh, I didn't know if it was his last one or not. I I know he had said uh, he was going to do like what was it a total of ten movies or something like that, and then after that he's done. Was it ten? I don't remember. Eight or something. Yeah. I can't remember. I didn't know if this was his last one or if he had a few more left. Anyway, this 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 basically is he was under his movies were under Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein, the Weinstein Company, and so. Mm-hmm. That after that fell out, now he has he has been uh, you know other studios have been courting him, and uh, Vanity Fair had a um, article on it where they talked about this a little bit. Uh, yeah, this is going to be uh, the, his ninth film. I thought I thought I didn't know is is the ninth one the one that he's been touting as the final one. Mm, you could be right. I'm I'm looking into it as you talk. Okay. Uh, anyway, here's here's from that article. Deadline Hollywood announced Friday morning that Sony Pictures, led by Tom Rothman, has pulled off the impossible, securing worldwide rights to Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, which is uh, currently entitled. The deal comes after Sony, Warner Brothers, and others pulled out all the stops to try and lure Tarantino after the 50 uh after the 54 year old filmmaker decided to part ways with his longtime distribution partner Harvey Weinstein 
following the massive sexual harassment and assault scandal that has engulfed the Weinstein Company. Warner Brothers in particular went all out to try and grab Tarantino's attention. In an effort to replicate the setting for his new film, it transformed the front of the studio into a facade straight out of 1969, complete with vintage cars and an old-fashioned marquee. The studio even brought in cocktails, whiskey sours, and Bloody Marys from famed L.A. restaurant Musso and Frank's. The thinking, as one source familiar with the presentation told Vanity Fair, was that Tarantino was looking for a new family, and since famed filmmakers like Clint Eastwood and Christopher Nolan Nolan enjoyed a supportive home at the studio. Tarantino would love one, to, uh, would find one there too. Uh, but in the end, according to Deadline, Rothman's vast knowledge of film plus his studio's ability to release the movie worldwide were what swayed Tarantino. Um, so Tarantino has now marked a deal. He's signing a deal with Sony, which which is interesting. And uh, but they also in this Vanity Fair article had they 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 talked to a source about this new what we thought was going to be this new Charles Manson film that he's been working on and i do you do you remember this conversation Jake we were a little worried about this yeah yeah about him doing the the Manson movie right and whether it was going to be a comedic take or like a serious you know well I, we've seen what he's done with history right okay uh, inglorious bastards we saw what he did with that movie and for as much as like i love tarantino that's the one tarantino movie i cannot stand cannot stand inglorious bastards i hate that movie um and that's just me because i'm a when I watch a World War II movie, I'm like kind of like a, I guess I'm a World War II World War II purist, and it just was he he gave it that Tarantino feel, and it just didn't work for me. So I was too worried. unrealistic. Yeah, and I was worried that like that's what we would get here. We've heard rumors of him, you know, wanting to get Margot Robbie to play Sharon Tate, and maybe you know uh, there was the rumor that. Uh, what's her name? Jennifer Lawrence might be one of the Manson girls. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, is he going to turn this into something where like, you know, Sharon Tate is like fighting the Manson girls, you know, kicking their <laughs> ass. Like, no, see, I think honestly, I thought that that, I thought that that was where we were going, where it could go. I mean, yeah, I think that is on the table. I don't disagree. That's why I laughed. Right. I was like, Ugh. it doesn't sound too out of the ordinary for something that he would do. Um, but anyway, th- Vanity Fair has a source on what it could be, and uh, here it is. Here's what they said. Set in Los Angeles in the summer of 1969, Tarantino's upcoming movie, according to a source who read the script, focuses on a male TV actor who's had one hit series, and he's looking for a way to get into the film business. His sidekick, who also is his stunt double, is looking for the same thing. The horrific murder of Sharon Tate and four of her friends by Charles Manson's cult of followers serves as a backdrop to the main story. Deadline says Tarantino wants Margot Robbie, currently enjoying accolades for her role as Tanya Harding in I, Tanya for the role of Tate. Um, he's also said to want a production budget of a close to $100 million. First dollar gross and final cut on the film. It's not yet clear if Sony has agreed to all these terms. Um, Tarantino is expected to start shooting in, uh, the movie in June in Los Angeles, and actors such as Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, and Leonardo DiCaprio are being considered for the lead. Guys, I don't know about you, Jake. I don't know about wow. you, but this 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 news makes me a lot happier 
to hear this. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I as as dressing to a Tarantino period piece, I, I find it much more tasteful than just a full on Charles, Charles Manson, Manson biopic from Tarantino. Yeah, this is good news. Yeah. Okay. So if it serves as the backdrop, like we know, and I, I'd have to double check my history here, but like, wasn't Sharon Tate? She was. She was an actress. I know that much. But she, like, wasn't her husband like a big time Hollywood director or producer or something? And I yeah. wasn't he supposed to be having a party that evening with a lot of like yes. Hollywood elite showing yeah. up there? I'm guessing if I had to if I had to make a guess is that this lead character in this film was going to be one of the guys that was supposed to show up at that party and for some reason didn't, you know, so I, that's what I'm guessing at the end of the day, what it might be about, like, you know. So I don't know, man. It, it made me. Uh, it made my brain hiccup when you said uh, Tom Cruise. I, I really like the idea of Tom Cruise in a Tarantino movie. This is. His, I mean, if Tarantino's only going to do like the nine or ten films, this is his last chance. So, you know. Yeah, and I did look it up. It is two more films. Um, some people were confused because they were counting uh, Kill Bill as two movies, but Tarantino has clarified that he's counting that as one movie. Okay. And okay. Okay. Yeah, so he's got two more movies left. Yes, the upcoming will officially be the ninth, and then the tenth is what he's claiming will be the last. Okay. Yeah, I think I think. Can that, I, I okay, think, can I say something now? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. With that, with that, because I feel like Tarantino has been saying he wants to retire for the past five, six years, no, and I think he's, he's getting saying, more ideas. He said this. He in, just Steve, he's been saying this since like he became a director. This is like this. He's been saying this since like the nineties, right, Jake? Yeah, oh, really? It's been a, that long? The, yeah. The 10 movie thing has been something. And it's it's just recently, I think, in an article in 2016 where he reiterated it. Yes. But that that isn't the first time. Oh, okay. Well, I think he's full of shit because it's not that uh, – <laughs> I don't think it's about the money per se. I think it's more of if he's got another story to tell, he's going to say it. Just like Daniel Day-Lewis when he's like, I'm done after this. If he all of a sudden ten years down the road wants to do something, he's he's Daniel Day Lewis. He's going to do it, and that's yeah, the same thing yeah. with Tarantino. If ten years down the line he's like, oh my god, I have an amazing story I want to tell. He's everybody's going to go, please give it to me. So, you know, I, I'm like, I think this is more of a marketing tactic for him. I, I think it's legit. I don't think it's a marketing tactic, but I, I, I agree with you, Steve. I, it reminds me of Stephen King saying that he was never going to write anymore. And then okay. you know, writing books for another decade after he said that. Well, like I, I just, I think you're right. I think he's good. I think he has all intentions of quitting. But as soon as he does, the bug's going to hit him after three to five years. Well, I mean, Steven Soderbergh said he was done too, and he's come back and already done. You know, Logan Lucky, and you know now he's producing this Godless. I mean, that's another thing. Like Tarantino might think like. I don't think he's def- he's definitely not bankrupt when it comes to creativity. So it's like you know, there's certain directors that I think are bankrupt when it comes to creativity, and they should have like stepped away a long time ago and haven't. And Quentin Tarantino is not one of those guys. He just gets better as he as he gets older. And it's like I think like maybe he'll he could still do things creatively. He could still get involved with like Netflix and like producing and being an executive producer and stuff. But I think you're right. He's not going to be happy with just doing those things. He's going to get that creative itch, and I think he's going to want to come back and do something. You know, I just Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense. And I think with I think what's going to happen, what's going to really drive him crazy, is the new face 
of Hollywood directors. It's going to be like this new crop of directors coming up. And I think it's going to drive him crazy and it's going to want to push him. You know, he's going to see like all these new, you know, like we've seen Josh Trank and we've seen Phil Lord and Chris Miller. There's going to be even newer directors coming out. It's just going to drive him crazy. And it's going to get to the point where like, you know, we saw George Miller do that Mad Max Fury Road. And how old is George Miller? Like in his late seventies, you know, and, exactly. uh, and he's like, Hey guys, look what I can do in my late seventies. And like some of these kids that are coming out right now that just got their creative juices starting to flow can't make a movie like that so man there's no way he's done eric like do you think that there's any chance after the 10th movie that tarantino's done creatively and he just steps away rides off into the sunset i doubt it i i can't see that i mean you figure just you named a bunch of examples as it was right there um i mean guys like that you, you, you figure the bug is going to bite him at some point. And like you, like Steve said, you, he's going to have a story to sell at some point that's going to want to get out of that head of his. I, I just don't see this being the last of it we hear of him. And that'll be the thing. That'll be the thing, though, right? Like, okay, so, like, yeah, he gives himself some time off. He steps away, five, six, seven years, whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden, Sony announces a new Quentin Tarantino movie. And now everybody in the world wants to see this movie, Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, fathers are now talking to like their sons that are old enough to enjoy these films with their fathers. Like, oh, my God, they're watching Pulp Fiction for the first time. And they're like and then and then they're like, Dad, why, you know, where have these movies been my whole life? And like, what is this guy doing now? And and, and dad's like, well, this guy stopped making movies. OK. And so like now he announces that he's going to make something new. Everybody's going to want to go see this new Tarantino movie. Like what is what? What's the big movie that brought Tarantino out of retirement? What story? Yeah. You know, so, yeah. I don't think that's the plan, but that's definitely probably what the happy accident's going to oh, be. That, that, uh, <laughs> I think it works out nicely if it happens that way. Right. Oh, yeah. Financially oh, yeah. for him, you know. So what were you going to say, Steve? I think like if Tarantino's smart, he'll make a one or a one or two film contract deal with Sony, do the two films, retire. Not only does he come back in five to seven years, he's with Paramount or something. It's like, mm-hmm. why why switch over? It's just it's just I think Tarantino is one of the the biggest marketing guys in general. He knows how to pull a crowd. Like the second he's he's on his wine scene, nobody cares about his uh, his uh, his press statement or whatever. Or uh, the press release about his opinions on it. It's where's your next movie going? Because it can't be with Weinstein, you know. So it's like everybody cares about the product, and Tarantino will always be a product. Yeah, well, I think that's a little bit, a little bit naive. I think people did care about his opinion on the Weinstein. Yeah, absolutely. For a good minute, were, yeah, you're right. <laughs> people but... weren't yada yadaing past that to find out about his new movie. He was in quite quite a many headlines about that i mean i mean it, it, this whole weinstein thing's made a lot of headlines especially with ben affleck and kevin smith as well i mean i think what they've done is pretty commendable like any royalties that they have from the weinstein company they're donating to charity which i thought was just fantastic so um yeah but uh yeah uh so i am looking forward to this movie whatever it is and if you're going to have charles manson as a backdrop i think that makes a lot more sense um we also, what was it, a couple weeks ago, Eric and Jake, we talked about this Lord of the Rings TV show coming to Amazon, and 
We kind of talked about this, like what's it going to be about? They, it's actually been, uh, it's actually been confirmed that it's not going to be a retelling of the of the movie and the books. It's actually going to take place sometime before the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit. So it's. Yeah. What do you? That's definitely the better of the two options. Yeah. Like I, if, if they were yep. going to do this, that's what I wanted them to do. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm still not too excited. To me, this this franchise is a little bit dead for me still. So I'm not freaking out about it. I'll definitely watch the pilot, and I hope it's good. But I don't. I don't think it'll be the next Game of Thrones. Do we know who's show running or writing it? No, I mean this is Steve. Basically, what Amazon has done is they have just paid for the rights uh, to basically make a television sto- uh, show in this world. Did you guys hear about how much this cost them to do this? How much? How much they had to pay the Tolkien estate? No, just guys. They haven't even started. They don't even have a writers' room. They haven't hired a director. They haven't hired anyone. They haven't. They haven't filmed a single um, scene, and they have spent. Two hundred and fifty million dollars just for the rights. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> oh man, this sounds like a bust to me. This whole idea. Uh, uh, why would you do that's that? Not, that's not okay. Wait, wait, wait. That that's just for the rights. Yeah, this is just. They paid the Tolkien estate two hundred and fifty million just for the rights. This has nothing to do with the production at all. They had to have uncovered something if they're not going the Lord of the Rings or Hobbit route. They must have something. Well, there's this – Steve, there's the Silmarillion. I mean, I mean, but that that's not a story. That's basically just the history of Middle Earth. I mean, they can uh, – Yeah, you're not moving mountains with that. What they Basically what they have, Steve, here is they can hire a writer's room and they can say, hey, guess what, guys? You know, just like – just with just with like what Star Wars is doing, Star Wars right. hires, you know, a director and then they have the Star Wars story group. Uh, this is what Amazon can do now. This is what they're hoping to do. Is they're hoping to now that they have Tolkien's world, they own Middle Earth for television. They're hoping to get a director, a writers' room together, and have them sit down and say, "Hey, guess what, guys? You have access to Middle Earth. Write a show." And you mm. know, and and that's one of those things, guys, where like you know, like Amazon hasn't spent a lot of money on their TV, but they can. That's the thing. It, it, the Amazon CEO is Jeff Bezos. He's the richest yeah. man in the world, ninety plus billion dollars. So when he wants to open up the purse strings and put money into something, he can. And that's what he's doing here. He's like, he's like, it's this is like a huge dick measuring contest between him and HBO right now. Um, so there's a lot of background noise going on right now. It's distracting. What's going on there? Yeah, it's not me. That's probably me. Sorry, yeah, knock it off. Um, so, are you making dog food again? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no. That's the thing. So, uh, <laughs> Forbes had an article about this and this two hundred and fifty million dollars that they spent. And check this out. Uh, they put it into perspective how much money this is. They, it's exactly one thousand times as much as the two hundred and fifty thousand dollars J.R.R. Tolkien received when he first sold the movie and merchandising rights to his Lord of the Rings trilogy to United Artists back in nineteen sixty nine. Uh, it's five thousand times as much as Ian Fleming got from producers Harry Saltzman and Albert Broccoli for the movie adaptation rights to his James Bond stories. 
including any future stories. It's 166 times as much as Steven Spielberg and Universal Studios paid to Michael Crichton for rights to Jurassic Park. Oh, I love that. I love that. What did Disney pay for Star Wars? I had no clue. Uh, this is 125 times as much as the $2 million Warner Brothers put down for the movie rights to J.K. Rowling's first Harry, first four Harry Potter books. Uh, it's four, it's more than 40 times as much as the biggest book adaptation deal I can think of, the six million that Dan Brown received from uh, his 2003 novel, The Da Vinci Code. Uh, Disney was Star Wars. Wasn't that, was that $4 billion? $4.5 billion. It was $4.5 billion, which Lucas yeah. then claimed that as like a tax write-off, right? Yeah. 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 Half of the cash. It was half cash, half shares in Disney stock. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Yeah. That, this is wow, I don't, it's a lot of money. I, this is... It's going to take a lot of work, I think, to make this a monster. Like, I, they really need to make it, like, contemporary, like, add women, possibly make it a little bit more mature. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think Lord of the Rings, as it stands, prequel or not, is going to bring in just buttloads of people. I mean, yeah, I could be wrong. Bring, that, brings, that brings in your hardcore audience and then maybe some loose fringe people, but that's not going to get you, you know, Joe average user watching it. No, I mean like that, that, this has to be, this has to be a Game of Thrones type show. This has to be, you know what I mean? This, this has to do, yeah. cause like Game of Thrones, how many subscriptions did that get HBO? A shit ton, right? Oh yeah. You know, how many, how many, you know, this has to be like, uh, like a Dexter was for Showtime. Like, sh- I mean, Dexter kept Showtime well, was- on the map, you know? So that was, that's twice the production budget for Star Trek Discovery and that's just for rights. That's, yeah. Nothing else involved yet, which is just mind blowing. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know how much they're going to spend on the show, but you have to imagine it's got to be quite a bit. I mean, I, yeah. You either do it or you don't. You can't, you can't make it look cheap. So, I mean, Jake, I, I see, I'm, I, I get what you're saying. I do. But I, I can't, but on the flip side, you, you got to look at it. Another way, like there's been no casting announcements. There's been no, you know, we don't know who any of the writers are. We don't know who's going to be directing any of the episodes. How many directors were? I mean, that's how tainted I think the property is at this point, in my opinion. Well, like I don't, I don't need all that to think. "Mm, This might not be good. It's it's still Middle Earth. There's still a lot of stories to tell there. That's that's almost like saying like after the prequels came out that people are done with Star Wars. I mean, you, you're you're basically Amazon is taking over the property and giving it new life. I I hate to just count it out right now. I still think that there's a lot of stories to be told there. Um, with that amount of money, do you think maybe it's not just one show? I mean, you're committing that amount of money. Maybe you're thinking more along the lines of two or three shows out of it. Well, let's start. I mean, with, or at least you're, you're guaranteed. You're you got to go a few seasons with it. Hey, let's start with one to begin with, right? Right. You know, right. Game. Yeah, yeah. Slow down. Well, that's what Wait, game, I'm just. I'm yeah. just thinking long term. Yeah. When you're spending that kind of money, you are not thinking you're doing just a ten episode season, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> That's, right? Yeah, I mean that's yeah. A, that's an investment. That's like that's like Star Wars saying, "Hey guys, we're just going to do this new, new trilogy and we're done." Right? That's like it's <laughs> like Disney's. No, Disney's like, no, we're 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 going to make a Han Solo movie. We're going to make an Obi Wan Kenobi movie. Here's right. Rogue One. Right. We've got Ryan Johnson working on a new trilogy. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> so you're absolutely right. You spend two hundred fifty million dollars, you're going to want to make your money back. 
like I, I do think that there are people out there that still want to see a lot of they, they still want to see the world of Middle Earth. Jake, you might not be one of them, but I think that I, I, I like shit like this. Like, you know, no, no. I, and I, I don't mean to disparage people that do are huge fans of Middle Earth. And I do think there are people that will want to see this, but I can't see it being like ascending more than that. You know, be bringing in the people that aren't normally the fantasy people. Well, they, I think they could. Like, okay, so what did what did we watch when we watched like the first set of movies? We watched we followed you know this timid little hobbit. You know, and what, what could we do differently? Like this this one could be about like an elf girl. For all we know, they could go like what what the new Star Wars movies are doing. Like, here's your female protagonist. Here's Ray, our new heroine, and like that. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, uh, like I said. For it to be good, it needs to go a lot more contemporary than anything we've seen before. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. If they yeah. go in that direction and they're not beholden to Tolkien and his ideals 100% and they can kind of throw in a bit more diversity in the cast and, Eric, you know, actually some important female characters, this could be cool. Eric, don't you think for fucking $250 million, they should be able to do whatever the fuck they want to in Middle Earth, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, would think for that kind of money, they could go insane. I, I, can, I mean, if you're paying that kind of money, I would not be shocked to see something like, you know, a Star Wars Rebels type of show. You know, you use that property in various ways to try to maximize Dude, it. I mean, for $250 million, <laughs> I want to see Tom Bombadil fucking shitting on an elf girl's chest. I mean, that's, I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. I like how Eric went in the Star Wars Rebels route and Brian took it in the shitting on the chest route. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we kind of diverged our paths a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, but I, Steve, are I you? Tend to oh, go ahead. Towards the shitting on the chest thing. Yeah, not, not to interrupt. I, no, I think they really need to go more contemporary. If they want to get in those Game of Thrones people when Game of Thrones is over, then we need to see fucking Gandalf shitting on chest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said Tom Bombadil, but whatever. <laughs> whatever. Middle Orge. Steve, Middle are, are you big, like that? Orange. Steve, are you a big fan of Middle Earth? Or you, <laughs> do you not care? Uh, and there's nothing, like, pulling me towards this. The Here's my issue. Like, Lord of the Rings was good. You know, I, I haven't seen it in 10 years, but it was, a, it was a good film. Never saw the Hobbit prequels, but something like this sounds good if you tell me that someone similar to a Brian Fuller or Noah Hawley type of showrunner is involved. Yeah, they, they, that's what I they need. need. That's what they I need. I don't care about actors. I need writers and showrunners that know what the fuck they're doing, because every without them, everything else is just it's, it's hearsay, in my opinion. Yeah. How has uh, that changed over the years that now we know showrunners as well as the actors, <laughs> and we call them out as the key, the keys to it? That's just crazy that you bring that up, isn't it? Weird? Yeah, like yeah. that—that's the thing. It's just like you know and. What what also bothers me is, you know, Brian, you're telling us how much you love the fact that Future Man is very meta about what it's based off of. Why can't Jeff Bezos pay $10 million to this team of writers and say, I want something very similar to Lord of the Rings that's better than Game of Thrones? And tell Noah Hawley or Brian Fuller or someone with that type of caliber of storytelling to do that. You know, we have so many different type of comic books. We've got Birthright right now. Why can't we get something like that on the screen? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah but I hold agree on. With Steve. Do we need yeah. Lord of the Rings right now? Yeah, see, that's the thing. It's like world building is not as simple as just doing that. 
World building is – to build a but whole – But the stuff is out there. The source materials are out there. There's tons of amazing fantasy series that have tons of lore that could be dumped money into to be adapted. Yeah, but nobody – Lord nobody, of the Rings again. Yeah, I know. It's a, I guess you could you could buy one of those properties, but everybody does know Lord of the Rings, and that's the thing. It's like – or you could do something new and like – I look look at the world building that's been attempted in some of the other films that we've seen. Like uh, we've seen world building attempted in uh, Avatar. That worked out well in the box office, but Avatar, as far as like leaving a cultural impact, has really done nothing. I mean, nobody yeah. nobody really talks about Avatar. I mean, <laughs> you're preaching to the choir here, but it. I mean, it swings both ways, though. I mean, Game of Thrones, for all intents and purposes was a new property. I mean, I know the book had been out for a decade before. Yeah, I just don't understand. Like, I don't know where you're com- – I don't know where you are – you guys are coming from to think like there's – like Lord of the Rings is just like not worth it at all. I know $250 million is a lot of money, but if it's Amazon, I mean it, 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 it to a lesser extent, it is kind of like Disney purchasing – Lucasfilm and having the rights to, you know, put Jedi and, and Yoda and Han Solo and Luke Skywalker in their movies. Yeah, but we you guys have are just saying Disney like, uh, people that saying Tolkien, but Tolkien's books have been. Bitter- Abrams is bringing us the movie. You know, he's the master of reboots. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know. I'd rather see sequels, I guess, if we we're really going to see more of the Lord of the Rings stuff. I feel like that the difference is, is. The best story, the meat of the story, is Lord of the Rings. Like that's the finale, and they started with the finale, and so now I'm I'm spent. And we can't compare movies to television shows. I feel. I mean, because TV, this is going to be what is Amazon going to release all 10, 13 episodes at once? I guess I guess it comes down to like 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 what you like. Because that, that, that's because that's of all course. I'm getting here. Because like I love the Lord of the Rings films, and like if I'm comparing, and it's hard to compare Lord of the Rings to Star Wars, but it, it seems like Jake, you're like, okay, I got three good Lord of the Rings movies. I'm out. I'm done. Like and like with Star Wars, like they could announce a different movie every year, and we're, we still stay excited. Like even after yeah. the prequels, which did not like everybody did not like the prequels. <laughs> It's just it's kind of like just it's I guess the, it just comes down to preference because I I still think that there's a lot of cool stories that can be told in Middle Earth. I don't think that the, I don't think that the creative well is bankrupt in this fantasy world with elves and all these different other creatures where mountains no, become alive and and I, I don't I don't understand like you made you made great points, but I, I want to tell you that I am not. It's not just me speaking from preference. A lot of it has to do with the fact that. Lord of the Rings was like the story was there before. Like with Star Wars, there's always the intrigue. The story wasn't set in stone before it became a film. I have to continue to see the films to know where the story is going to go. Where Lord of the Rings, the the best part of the story, the entire climax was there for me to read for you know decades sure. before the movies well, existed, Rogue, and that's still the case. Like, Rogue, still, Rogue One was just like basically a story that was told in between two trilogies. I yeah, but think... it wasn't already written before I saw it. Well, none of these saying, none, like none of these stories that they, none of these stories that happened before Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit have been written either. Like you can read the Silmarillion, but it's basically just like a history book of Middle Earth. You can do whatever the fuck you want to, as far as like those things are concerned. I mean, yeah, calling that that's that's no, not I've, even a collection I've, of stories, really, by any means. It's not. Yeah, it's I not, own the Silmarillion. I I know what's up with with how it works and everything and it's not a screenplay by any means yeah. and and i do agree that it would be possible to make good stuff here 
I just I, I am really spent with the franchise. No, I get would it. Really, just rather have a different fantasy series when there's so many good ones out there. Last time we talked about this, I touted Wheel of Time. I would love to see. They wouldn't have to spend. 250 million to get the rights to wheel of time and i and there's a ton of good stuff there well it's too fucking bad that amazon didn't spend a shit ton of money to get the rights to dark tower before now that got fucked up in the theaters and i know like fx oh yeah i agree with that fx was supposed to be doing that series and we're probably i think it was fx but like we're probably never going to see that now i don't think that i mean as far as i know it hasn't been canceled but i'm 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 not going to say it's been greenlit either i think that that could fall out any day so yeah, I I, I, I feel think, the same way about Dark Tower. It's been completely damaged. I think I'm just more mostly worried about being fantasy fatigued. How you know? It's like, How? like Lord just, of the Rings. There's three great movies out. I never even went to go see The Hobbit because I heard it was one book split into three movies. I don't care about that. And to be quite like frank like Lord of the Rings sounds good and you're right I'm not a huge fan of it but I, there's I, so much out there already I, like, think, I think Jeff I, Be- I think Jeff Bezos and the guys from Amazon the people over to Amazon are thinking to themselves okay Game of Thrones is going to be ending soon I know that they're going to be starting up spinoffs but those spinoffs aren't going to start immediately after Game of Thrones is over so they're they're going to right, try they're going to try and capitalize on that missing fantasy element before those new Game of Thrones shows start coming out, and I think exactly, but that but that's what I'm saying at the beginning though of the, all this is that they have to have a plan. There's no way they're investing all this money and don't have some type of Noah Hawley or some type of genius that has been living in his own Lord of the Rings world and is like, I've got the story. Well, you know don't, don't, you, don't, don't you think that that's not going to attract somebody? Like. I, and I'm not saying like I don't know who they're gonna get. I, I really have no clue. But I can't. You can't tell me that there's not some young director out there or some young TV showrunner or like or there's a Brian Fuller or a Noah Hawley or somebody out there that they that they're like, hey, guess what? I got the keys to Middle Earth. And like so one of these guys have been like, oh my god, I've I I love Tolkien ever since I was a kid. You know, like we're here. Damon Lindelof, big fan of Watchmen. Now that's what he's gonna be doing over. At you know HBO, so I can't see or, them, I can't see them or, just being like, hey, 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 we got all this, and they're they're willing to pay two hundred and fifty million dollars for the property. They're going to be willing right. to pay somebody big money to take over this world and be like their showrunner. I fully agree. Like the reason Denny Villeneuve went into a Blade Runner, he didn't want anybody else doing it wrong. Yeah, 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 agreed. All right, let's move on. We've been. Yammering on. <laughs> we'll just we'll, we'll agree to disagree. I, I I'm looking forward to it. I want to hear more announcements though, but I, I haven't heard anything to sway me to think like now if we get Amazon into- is evil, man. They're, they're you just laid it out. They're buying this to capitalize and make money. They're not buying it to fucking make more awesome oh, yeah. stories. Disney Disney could buy anything, and Jake's happy though. Like you know, let's play devil's advocate here because like you want Disney to buy to everything. Disney has a track record, and it worked, and it's yeah, that, a great track record. That's a great record. point. Yeah, Disney has a track record. Yeah, Disney also is going to be owning a little too much and create a monopoly, and I'm not – I want there to be competition. I don't want Disney to own my entire childhood. I don't want Disney to own every property that I grew up and loved and be able to uh, – you know, th- th- I don't know. I don't want to get into that conversation again. Anyway, I just don't want – I just don't want more stale-ass Lord of the Rings shit. 
<laughs> I don't think that that's their intention to bring you more stale ass Lord of the Rings shit. You well, know? that's where I feel. That's where I feel with the property right now, and I don't think I'm alone in thinking that that property right. is damaged. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, and Lord that it's not going to bring in ret- troves of people. Return of the King, picture of the year, 2003. Just throwing it out there. Anyway, I fucking love Return of the King. So if I. I listed my top 25 favorite movies, the two towers would be in there. Yeah, I know. Anyway, moving on. Oh, Jesus, I don't even know if I want to talk. I, I feel drained now. Jesus. I want to talk, talk more about Lord of the talk. Rings. This, this is the best thing we've talked about all episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's the literally zero announcements, and you guys are already – Lord of the Rings fatigue is, has set in already. And there have You're going to make z- him talk in his Burnthal voice here pretty quick. There's, there's, uh, you guys have Lord of the Rings – no, you guys have Lord of the Rings fatigue, but you love shitting on it. I don't. Don't, don't <laughs> let me in with Jake here. I know. I know. It's like, it's like there's z- – I will own that statement. I I do love shitty. Tomorrow, on. tomorrow, I could say Disney buys Lord of the Rings for five hundred million dollars. The film I rights. I would say that was a bad move. And Jake is. I like, would say they must have something good. Jake's yeah. like, I cannot I wait. Not that for the Pixar Lord of the Rings movie. Anyway. All right, guys. I would not say that. Uh, Paramount is uh, finding new ways to launch films, and um, it sounds like they're trying to get the jump here on something new. Trying to find a a different way to bring films to homes, and I don't know. I want to know what you guys think about this. This news comes from Deadline. Paramount, in partnership with Big Screen, is collaborating with several tech companies leading efforts in the virtual space reality, uh, virtual reality space. Oculus, Samsung, HTC, and Microsoft, among others, to launch a first VR movie theater. A movie, a viewer puts on a view, a VR headset and sits in a theater, a virtual theater in front of a huge screen watching a movie as you would in a brick and mortar theater. On December 3rd, those consumers with any brand of VR headset can sign on to bigscreenvr.com and experience Top Gun 3D in what looks like a movie theater. Yes? You walk into a movie theater, complete with one sheets and a theater seating. It will even have trailers prior to the main film. In addition, moviegoers will be seated in a virtual audience and can chat before the movie starts to everyone next to them or watching with them. Then for the next 24 hours and in 30-minute increments, VR headset users will be able to watch Top Gun in 3D for free. Top Gun 3D is available now on Blu-ray. Quote, this is a good example of what happens when you collaborate with Silicon Valley, noted noted Tom Hayes, uh, Senior Vice President at New Media at Paramount. So basically what Paramount is trying to do here, and maybe they're just trying to be proactive, is maybe they're worried about theaters not necessarily going extinct, like the dodo bird or something, but just not many people go into theaters and they're just trying to put something out there to see how it works, to see if people get into this. Yeah, you made that sound really awesome. Like, I love the whole idea. And then it got really scary when you talked about the time constraints. Like how you could only do it in 30-minute increments. Like, yeesh. No, 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 no. Um, basically, for 24 hours, every 30 minutes, they'll start up Top Gun in 3D. 
Oh, okay, okay. You don't have to watch Top Gun and for 30 minutes and then take a break. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> it's not like the virtual boy. <laughs> no. Um, that, I, that, I think that's what they mean. Then for the next 24 hours and in 30-minute increments, VR headset users will be able to watch Top Gun in 3D for free. Right? Like every 30 minutes, for the for 24 hours, they'll be playing it. And every, okay, they'll every, start a new audience. They'll start a new audience ha- every 30 minutes. Yeah. So it's basically, it's like a movie theater experience. Like you are watch, walking into a virtual theater. You will be able to look up and down, left and right, and you're in the theater. And then you'll have like moviegoers to the left and to the right of you. Like it, you could have somebody from like, I'm here in Illinois, but the person next to me could be in Hawaii. And we're talking about like the trailer and all this stuff. And like, you know, just talking before the movie starts. And then once the movie starts, I got to imagine that they mute everything. And now you're just watching Top Gun 3D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are telling spoilers behind you. You see, like, a guy stand up. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, where are you? Some guy shining his cell phone light. Yeah. Dude, that fucking asshole's on his phone again. <laughs> uh, one of the lights on the stairs is blinking the whole time. You're trying to watch the movie. All right, so just like any good drug dealer, they're going to give you your first hit for free, right? And, like, Paramount, there has to be a way, like... In the future, that Paramount is probably, if they like this, they're gonna be, they're gonna be like, once the new movies come out, do you think like maybe before they actually come out on Blu-ray or digital that like they'll release it this way first? Yeah, very possible, very possible. I don't know how um, accessible the VR headsets are quite yet to where they're going to be able to make a shit ton of money off of this. But no, I'm, I'm not talking about... It's definitely a very interesting concept. Yeah, I'm not talking about this like this right now, but this might also be another way to sell VR headsets. You know, if they, if they, if, if Paramount does announce, like, you know, movies will come out, you know, instead of having to wait four months for them to come out on a Blu-ray or whatever on demand, you know, we'll have them come out in three months. Or two yeah. months on this format, this platform. Would you like to watch a movie like this, Brian? Because like I think to, my answer is yes. I'd like to try it. I would like to try it. What do you think, Eric? Would you do something like this? I mean, you're in the privacy of your own home, and basically you're watching it. If you have, like, an Oculus or an HTC, I mean, it's going to look like you're watching an actual film, like, on an IMAX or on a regular movie screen, like, at theater. And you're going to... I mean, it's going to sound good if, as long as the speakers on your headset are good. I mean, is this something that you'd want to do, try out? Because you're in, you're in the privacy of your own home. It's pretty awesome. I, I, I can't tell you yes or no yet. I, I, I'd really have to like experience it first to yeah. say. I mean, I'd at least try it once. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm the kind of guy that doesn't even. I won't even go to 3D movies. I paid, I paid two thousand bucks to not have to wear glasses anymore. So. I, I, any, I just putting anything on my face to watch anything is not typically my cup of tea. I, I'd at least try it, but I can't say I'm, I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to experience this in VR. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to talk to the assholes next to me. I, I don't want to talk to them face to face when I actually go there in person. Sure as hell don't want a VR asshole right next to me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> What if, what if, uh, what, could, would you watch the new, uh, Lord of the Rings Amazon show in, uh, in this platform? In a VR headset? <laughs> yeah, well, sure. No one would show up to watch it with you, though. 
I think this. It, I think it sounds like a an experience I'd like to try out at least. I, I'm with you, Eric. Like, what if I watch it and like you know I, I feel all disoriented watching it afterwards? Like, oh fuck, right. that was weird. Um, and I don't do well with shaky cam either. Right. I I struggle with that sometimes. I'm just one of those people that it it, it usually gives me a headache. So not thrilled. Hey, Steve, it sound like something that uh, you'd be interested in? This uh, big screen VR dot com. <laughs> Yeah, Brian, I'm not going to lie. About, what the uh, fuck was uh, that? Halfway, about halfway through you, uh, oh, that was, that was my dog. It's like Dracula. You asked Dracula what he thought. Yeah. Came out of this fucking coffin I'm there. I'm back. Uh, so, yeah, no, uh, halfway through you explaining what it is, I started remembering how Ready Player One comes out in March. I'm really excited about that movie. Uh, so yeah, this, All right, this sounds like an exciting yeah. thing, but I don't really care. All right, thanks. That was a cute little answer you had for us there, Steve. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> it's not going to be as cool as it is in Ready Player One, Steve, I promise. Okay. Good. <laughs> I don't, I'm, now I'm scared to even ask Steve his thoughts on anything with shit like that. <laughs> you got the coffin opening yeah, noise. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I got fucking Dracula coming out of his, yeah, his, his slumber and shit. And then, and I can't lie. I this entire episode, any, anytime you prompt Steve to unmute his thing, I'm scared of whatever noise is going to happen. God dang! <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Steve's got me on edge. <laughs> I, I know. I don't know. Anyway, let's move on into Marvel news. Let's see here. Marvel news. All right, guys. Slash Film reported on the Wall Street Journal's new report that Sony – and, yeah, the reason I'm going through Slash Film's reporting of the Wall Street Journal's report is because the Wall Street Journal wants you to pay to read their fucking shit online anyway. Uh, yeah, you have to you have to pay to be a subscriber to the Wall Street Journal to read them online anyway. Uh, their, their report is that Sony and Universal have also reached out to uh, Fox about acquiring their studios. Um, here's the story. Following the talks about Disney's potential acquisition, the Wall Street Journal reports that Comcast Corp., the parent company of Universal, Pictures, and Verizon Communications have approached Fox about doing the same thing. Plus, Sony's entertainment arm has informally approached Fox with the same goal in mind. So, basically, um, talks have cooled between Disney and Fox as far as the acquisition of Fox. Uh, but uh, I guess that has... This guys, this this means that th there's a sale. There's a sale waiting to happen. That Fox is willing to definitely unload their studio and a big chunk of uh, 21st Century Fox. And uh, I mean, if they're having talks with other studios like you know Sony and Universal, like they're definitely for sale. So I think something's going to happen. Um, I don't know. I'm still not really happy with this news. I, I definitely don't want to see – I've really been enjoying what Fox has been doing with the X-Men. And not just that, but like Fox in general. I mean it's just – it's just there's so much history behind that studio. It's just – it'd be sad to kind of like see something like this go. Like I mean I don't know. Yeah, I agree with that. There's a lot of history. I guess if it's going to happen – it's better news that it could be like a, another smaller studio merging with them or buying them like a Paramount or a Universal. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. that's interesting. 
Eric, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I mean, we we talked quite a bit about this before, you know. Yeah. I, 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 I'm like you. I, I don't want to see. I don't want to see Fox go away. I, I there, there's nostalgia there. There's something about that that classic Fox opening. Um, you know, I, 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 your concerns about a monopoly. I mean, there's there's plenty of reasons there to say I'd prefer to not see this happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I guys, I get, we could look at this from a fanboy perspective and be like, oh my god, yeah, Disney would own the X Men again. Yeah, Disney would own the Fantastic Four. Yes, and I mean that's great and all, but like at what price? Like I would love to see them just be able to acquire those properties just by purchasing them outright. I don't want it to mean the extinction. Of an entire studio, um, I don't want Sony get Sony getting it. I don't even want that. Like, and then it, you you would have Spider Man in the same universe as the Fantastic Four and the X Men, and then they could again work out another deal with Marvel and have those. You know, you could you could do all that. But like, I've really enjoyed like what you know Fox has done with Logan and Deadpool, and I'm I'm willing to give them a chance and see what they can do with the New Mutants, even though I'm worried about how they're going to portray magic. Um, so. That's, uh, it's, it's one of those things. And I definitely don't want Universal getting the rights to the X-Men. So, and. Yeah, that'd be crazy. That'd be the Disney Universal War. Steve, what do you think? I'm scared to ask you, Steve. I'm scared to talk to you right now, buddy. Um, (laughs) Uh I completely agree with you. I don't want Disney getting involved with it. I would like Disney to buy the rights back to Fantastic Four so we can have, uh, Fantastic Phase Four. Other than that, uh, let someone else take it. If Fox wants to just get out of the movie business and deal with news or whatever, then, you know, I, I would like to hear that all the major studios just bought franchises. I think Fox would actually make more money off of that if they sold off their studio as franchises. Yeah, I don't but, know. I don't know. Yeah. I just, it's, for me, I just would like to see them. I don't know. Something- it's going to happen. They're looking around. They're shopping. It's going to happen. At this point, we need a best case scenario. Yeah, you know, yeah, we, yeah, we don't I, need yes Disney and, monopolizing everything. Yes and no. I mean, it could. The FCC could be like, no, this ain't fucking happening. We're not letting this happen. Like, I remember, wasn't it like AT and T was going to buy? It's happening right now. AT and T was going to buy Verizon years ago, and they were like, no. No, <laughs> that's not happening. Or, no, the, no, AT and T was going to buy T Mobile. T Mobile, excuse me. It's happening right now with who? Uh, what is it? AT and T and Charter, uh, Time Warner, AT and T, that whole thing. Yeah, there's a huge thing going yeah. on getting ruled on and everything because it's too big. Yeah, there, uh, Comcast tried to buy Charter, like you, and they yeah. said no. So it's that happened two, three years ago, and you know, and then AT and T tried to buy what was it, T Mobile? So. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those. I, it's just I, I'm worried about these monopolies can get out of hand, and I don't want to see like Disney just be so big that that they're pushing everybody else around, and like, like small theaters. Like I, it all comes back to those small. No, theaters you're right. Too. So like you know some yeah, of the, they're already doing that. Nonsense. I know they are with the Last Jedi, and I it 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 really upsets me that they're they're making that that. They're making small theaters make that decision. Oh, do you do you want to have the Last Jedi in your theater or not? And it's like after four weeks of that being in the in the theater, it's just not going to pull in the audience that it did in week one and week two, and we, even week three. 
And it's and, yeah, and, and especially in today's market when there's a blockbuster every other week. Exactly. I mean, it's like you've got Thor Ragnarok, and two weeks later you got Justice League. You know, and like that's just the world we live in now. Where there's, isn't that crazy? Come to think about it, DC's not going to have another superhero film until next year in December when we get Aquaman. And by that time, Marvel has already released seven more superhero films. Wow. I wouldn't say seven. Oh, I'll say Captain Black, Black Panther, Infinity War. Yeah. Deadpool. Ant-Man. Deadpool too. Oh, oh, Marvel Comics. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you meant Marvel Studios. No, I'm just Marvel. Marvel's releasing seven. I mean, we can even throw in like, you know, uh, we're probably getting our, we're getting our uh, October. We're also getting Venom. So, mm, mm. I mean, Marvel is just, <laughs> there's no slowing down. I mean, oh yeah. my God. God. When we were kids, Brian, it was just Batman and Superman, and we were lucky if we got anything else. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. Jake, Jake, can you imagine if we would have gotten a Michael Keaton fucking Christopher Reeve Batman Superman movie? Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> that would have been amazing. Oh my God. That's what it should have been, and it was being talked about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see here. Um, Daily Mail has possible spoilers for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, these are spoilers, so if you are a spoiler pussy, see your way out. Uh, anyway, the, there were photos <laughs> that were taken of Michael Douglas, who plays Hank Pym, and Michelle Pfeiffer as Janet Van Dyne on the beach together. So uh, her hair is dyed gray, on in the and I've seen these photos, um, and her hair, Michelle Pfeiffer's hair is dyed gray, and it's probably after she's been rescued from the quantum realm from the first film. And uh, I still think that we're gonna. I, I I firmly believe we're gonna get an age down Michelle Pfeiffer for the film. Marvel loves that technology. Oh my God, do they love it? They love. Here's there's young Kurt Russell. Here's uh. Here's a young Michael Douglas. Here's young Robert Downey Jr. Anybody that they can make young in a movie, they love doing it. They're big fans of that. And I, I got to admit, they do it really well. So, um, But the fact yeah. that her hair is gray in this scene makes me believe that this is after uh, her return from the quantum realm. So I don't know. I think that's that's cool. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer playing uh, Janet Van Dyne. I remember it wasn't there was the rumors there for the longest time that it was going to be Sharon Stone. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, this is this is better. Well, I, I guess so. I mean, I thought it would be kind of cool, like the you know her basic instinct uh, the, back in the day when they did that movie together, right? We could have had a scene with like Janet Van Dyne uncrossing her legs, you know? Yeah, and they could That'd be a weird relate to think of that relationship between uh, uh, Ant Man and Wasp. Yeah, I don't know. They could de-age her vagina in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, Marvel's new de aging technology yeah. is amazing with Sharon Stone. Can I can I volunteer to work on that CGI project? Oh man, yeah. They, through, through, throughout it, Eric Wade was the uh, the Kegel instructor. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> you imagine some some guy just gra- graduated the Dave School with an arts degree and. What's your first assignment? Oh, God. <laughs> I got a DH. Sharon Stone's vagina. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, this is going to cost twice as much as it was to remove Henry Cavill's mustache. <laughs> oh my god! It looked, by the time they got done, it looked like Grandpa Tarkin. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, nothing but Hidden Valley to that to that uh, uh, Steve is like, I'm not talking about this. This is disgusting. You gentlemen should be ashamed. <laughs> I just can't wait for the reviews. Like, Jake wants those negative reviews. Uh, you might just, here you go. Here's your title. Oh, <laughs> Fuck off, Steve. You the episode title. <laughs> Steve. Aaron Stone's de-aged vagina. Which, I'm, I'm telling you, Steve, more times than not, we get a five-star review saying, I was hooked when they started talking about de-aging Michelle Pfeiffer's <laughs> vagina. Yeah, that's true. That is where we capture our audience yeah. right there. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I've got possible spoilers, possible spoilers for Avengers 4 here. Uh, these spoilers come from Screen Rant. Uh, and here we go. AJC.com posted an update on the filming of Avengers 4 today by sharing a photo from the set. The photo isn't too revealing, other than the noticeably classic cars that are included. The photo, in combination with their report that Chris Evans is involved with these scenes, appear to indicate we will get to see more of Steve Rogers before he fought in World War II and became America's hero. No other actors are listed to be involved with these scenes, but it could be a chance to see more of Steve and Bucky uh, before they were vigilantes on the run or even show more of Steve's relationship with Peggy Carter, as has been the case with other reported flashback scenes. It is not yet clear why the film is going to go back to these times when the threat of Thanos should be at full force. Uh, without seeing anything from Infinity War and even the plot of that film being heavily guarded, it is difficult and possibly even futile trying to piece together what this update means when it comes to the larger picture. Whatever the case may be, journeying back to the 1940s has been a recurring thing for Captain America's story. Um, I don't know. I think that's – they're going back. Uh, we're going to get flashbacks possibly from the 1940s from from the sounds of this rumor. So yeah, I think I think that sounds really cool. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Do you think that they're going to make it actually look kind of like when they go back and they show those 1940s flashback scenes? I hope that they make it look like like the Joe Johnston directed Captain America: The First Avenger. Like that movie had its own look, like its own like 1940s Marvel filter that that it was in. Like the whole movie was shot that way, and I I hope that those scenes actually feel like we're watching that. That Captain America First Avenger film directed by Joe Johnston again. No, I agree. It should almost have that like kind of Forrest Gump like feel where we're, you know, bouncing right back into that that yeah. time and that kind of film stock and everything. I agree. Yeah. It would be in their best interest to match the stuff Johnston did. Yeah. And then um we could get a chance we we might see some more uh Peggy Carter. They've kind of beaten that into the ground though, right? Yeah, I don't think we've seen the last of Peggy Carter, though. I mean, she's shown up. I don't either. I mean, she's shown up in Ant-Man. I mean, for all we know, she could be showing up in Ant-Man and the Wasp if we get, like, you know, de-aged scenes of, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer. And I don't know. We've, I mean, she's that character. We're definitely going to get that. Yeah. So, I don't know. And there's also uh, (laughs) Avengers 4 possible spoilers here that come from auditionsfree.com. Um, they're look. It's a casting call, and the casting call says feature film looking for two two-year-old twins. Wow! Uh, so Scarlet Witch and Visions, babies. Yeah, Wiccan and Speed. So it, I mean, that's 
if, if, if that's what – I mean, I don't know. Is, is that where they're going? I mean, by Avengers 4? Hmm. Like, okay, so we've, we've, like, we've, we've even reported about it on the show that there's, like, the romance in, in the third film, in Avengers 3. Like, that is a thing. You know, I think. And by four, it's babies. By four, it's babies, right? <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, I could see him warp speeding that storyline. There's a lot of juice there, I think, later on. All right. I so. mean, it, it fits the three movie arc, like what they're talking about with the Hulk. Where you've got Vision saving Scarlet Witch and Ultron, and then you got everything in Civil War, and then whatever is happening in Infinity War. Are they? Is 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 it a bigger picture though? Like, uh, so okay, so they have. Let's say this this is true. This this casting call is for not just for a scene of like two twin boys. It's actually you know for the children of Scarlet Witch and the Vision. Do you think that they have plans going forward in the Marvel Universe to maybe, like, you know, here's our first introduction to these babies, and then, like, I'm talking, like, you know, maybe ten years out, we get, like, a new Avengers film or something, or even sooner? Mm, like they're trying to plant the seeds for the next generation here? Yeah, like, like we're already seeing, like, they could, I mean, they could take it new Avengers if they wanted to. With this, I mean, I, I, or they could even go, I don't know. I, I, I can definitely see us getting a new Avengers film eventually. Yeah, yeah, spun off from the children of these Avengers trying to do a young Avengers thing and capitalize on the youth movement and yeah. do something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know if they're, I don't know if they'll go like Kid Loki or not, but, you know, I mean, they could even, like, if they wanted to, they could even incorporate Tom Holland's young enough. They could have him lead the team, you know? I don't know if they'd want to do something like that or not. But Yeah, I agree with you, though. That's None of that stuff is off the table. They want to market, 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 and expand, expand, expand. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, we only have to wait. <sighs> Shit, we only have to wait a year and a half for Avengers 4, correct? Yeah, May of 19, right? Yeah, I know. All right, possible spoilers here for Avengers 3 Infinity War. Uh, Michael. Hey, can you give me a break real quick? Yeah. You're not cooking. Yeah, you. Pork chop sandwiches. Oh, shit. Get the fuck out of here. What are you doing? Go. Get the fuck out of here, you stupid idiot. Fuck, we're all dead. Get the fuck out. My God, did that smell good. Detective, this is no going, and you tell me do things. I done running. G.I. Joe. All right, hey, we are back. You know, uh, I was going to, I did find them. I did find these uh, these audio clips that uh, Greg Alenti sent me. Uh, he, he noticed that I've been going a lot in the episodes. So, hold on, let me see. I'll try to play these and hopefully they'll come through. Here we go. Here's the first one. Sweet 
is the first one. And here's number two. Thank you so much, Greg. Spicy Caliente. Those cracked me up, man. I was dying when I heard those. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so, that's fucking fantastic. I had to share. Guys, uh, let's see here. We got possible spoilers for Avengers 3. Um, titled in, I don't know, I call it, I call it Avengers 3 Infinity War. Anyway, Michael Rappaport's podcast, I Am Rappaport. Uh, Michael Ruffalo was on there. He was asked which actors that he has had the pleasure of working with have left the best impression on him. He dropped the name of Joaquin Phoenix, and then he name-dropped Tilda Swinton, who he then suggested he had recently worked with. Then he mentioned Kate Blanchett. Now, guys, this doesn't necessarily mean that Ruffalo worked with both Blanchett and Swinton on Infinity War, but it's a possibility, also the more so because the three actors seemingly don't have any other projects that are in active development that they might have worked on together. So that means we might be seeing Kate Blanchett and Tilda Swinton uh, in Infinity War. Like, Tilda Swinton as the Ancient One, she died. So what's going on here? I mean, th- I'm not saying this is confirmed, but it- it- it's a possibility. So... Hmm. That's, God, Mark Ruffalo, he's the worst with keeping any kind of a secret, right? Yeah, even and he's. It sounds like he's trying to keep the secret. It sounds like he was actually just trying to be complimentary to these two actors, and 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 it actually might be a spoiler that you know Kate Blanchett is she could be playing Death, and that Tilda Swinton comes back somehow to maybe you know maybe she's a Force ghost now talking to Doctor Strange. Mm. Yeah, that could, I could see that. That would make more sense than seeing like her physical body. Yeah, huh. yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah, so <sighs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Jake, this was fucking cool. Uh, just today, I, I read an article from Screen Rant, and they're talking about this Vimeo user that had uploaded these different clips from Avengers: Infinity War onto Vimeo, and. And so, like, I'm desperately trying to find them. I'm like googling Vimeo, and then one of our one of our listeners uh, posted it on the Leftover Army page, like the links to these different videos. And so, I started to to watch these clips, and these are legit clips from the upcoming film. And um, there were how many of them? There were like six of them. Yeah, yeah, there was about six clips. Really, only one of them had any meat to it. The rest were just kind of five to 15 second little moments. Yeah, what's really cool about this, though, is like this is stuff like that we didn't see even in like the leaked trailer that came out, you know, a couple months ago. So, um, Eric, I know you got to see one of the clips. Is that correct? Right, right, right. And Steve, I sent it to you, but you didn't get a chance to get to them before. They, they, like literally, guys. Like by the time I saw them, I'd say about ten minutes later they got pulled. From yeah, like the, I said, I went to watch the first one, and it looked like there was probably six videos in there. Yeah. And then by the time I got done watching the first video, that was the only one left in the folder. I'm like, oh, apparently they're pulling these right now. Yeah, they pull. They pulled them. <laughs> that first one was, I loved it with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, if you were only going to watch one, that was the one to watch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it looks great. So, guys, from that, it's very rough footage. Um, 
but it's basically the Guardians are walking up on what sounds like Josh Brolin as Thanos, and he's basically got his like he's he's like forced the collector down to the ground, and he's trying to get is it the what stone is it the reality gem reality I believe he name yeah. drops yeah and uh, Drax Gamora and Star Lord are walking up on this encounter and Drax wants to attack him right now to get vengeance for like what he did to his wife and his daughter. And, you know, of course, like Star Lord and Gamora just like, Oh God, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. So it, (laughs) it looks great, man. It looks really good. I thought it was cool. Yeah. That excited me that they were going to address that kind of stuff. Like I didn't know how much of like set dressing it was going to be how Drax felt about Thanos or if we were going to get right to the meat of that. And Mm -hmm. that little clip we saw made it seem like that's going to be at the top of his mind, getting that revenge. Oh, yeah. You think he would have learned from going after Ronan, right? Yeah, the same thing, just charging in at the guy he shouldn't. But yeah, come on. I guess that's the charm of Drax, right? No, I mean, I I have a problem with it because I was hoping that there'd be some character growth there from like from the first film to like that moment. Eric, what do you think? Did we lose Eric? Sorry, mute button. Oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. I mean, what did you think about this clip? I, 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 it was Guardians of the Galaxy humor. I mean, I, I mean, he had the little thing with the hand signal and stuff. He made, made the little joke. So, I mean, that I, I liked it. I mean, it was, it was, God, it was probably only. 30, 45 seconds of actual video that I saw on the version I saw because it, it started black with no sound. Then you had some sound. Then you had the video and then it went black again with just audio. So, um, I mean, they're just, I liked what I saw. I just, yeah. I only saw a snippet. Now, am I wrong? I took all that as like the, the VFX weren't finished yet. Oh, no. That's that's we that was my guess. That's that exactly. That was my guess that they're working on it. Yeah. yeah exactly. And, and even, it was it was Thanos every time that was, when they went audio only, right? Yeah, and, and Brolin's voice was so pure. Yeah. Like, there's no way yeah. that's going to be the voice. Yep. No, you're 100% right. Like, the they when they cut the black screen, there's an effect shot that we're, that we're going to see. And then, like, Brolin's voice, there was, like, it was totally unaltered. It was just Josh Brolin's voice. They have not done anything with it, so... Yeah, <laughs> that, that kind of took me behind the curtain a little bit. I was like, "Yeah, that's not very menacing." And then <laughs> we got uh, we got. I mean, some of the other clips. I mean, they're just really quick. Like one was like even just like two seconds long. Like what the one of the members of the Black Order who takes like that spear and throws it at somebody. I don't know if it's. I I, I couldn't was tell. That cap. I, I I thought it was I thought it was either I thought it was either uh, Star Lord without the mask on or if or if it was Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes as uh, the Winter Soldier I couldn't tell mm-hmm. it, it was yeah. a two second clip I mean I literally could not tell yeah I just moved on to the next one real quick I just kind of sped through them as to make mm-hmm. sure I saw them. Yeah, and then we got a quick, uh, cl- uh, quick clip of Scarlet Witch, and she's looking at Vision. She's about to use her powers. Was he like in a cage or something? Yeah, they're about to have twin babies. Yeah, they're about to fuck. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's, none of the other. I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know if we really want to get into each and every one of them. But yeah, there oh, wasn't much meat besides the Guardians clip. I didn't think. Yeah, we you did see Mantis in that clip for a split yeah. second. You saw her at the beginning. So yeah, Rocket and Groot could very well be there too. They just haven't added them in yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I don't know. Looking forward to it. That was really cool. Got to see a little bit of the collector, and I don't know. Pretty cool. Uh, casting news from Variety: Jude Law is in negotiations to play the male lead opposite Brie Larson in Marvel's Captain Marvel. Sources tell Variety. Uh, we already know Ben Mendelsohn is on board to play the villain, and. Um, I don't know. I think it's shaping up to be a good cast. Yeah, I, I actually I know a lot of people are kind of polarized by Jude Law, but I, I actually am quite a fan. I think he's a great actor. I'd love to see him get that role. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I uh, I'm one of the very few people that really enjoyed Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. I don't know. I'm serious. I actually I liked it. I I'm not gonna lie. I, I liked it. Eric, I own it. I, <laughs> I, I, I you, you liked it more than me, but I liked it. Yeah, I really enjoyed that movie for some reason. It's, it's just, it's, I don't know. And I'm, I'm usually not into like the whole steampunk thing, you know, or whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is. And I really like that movie. What a Road to Perdition! I thought he was great in that. Oh man, I love Road to Perdition. Me too. Yeah. Uh, I know a snipe- lot of people. Enemy at the Gate was that the sniper movie he was in? Enemy at the Gates, the 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 Russian. Um, yes. Yeah, that was a great film. Yeah, he's great in Cold Mountain. I know a lot of people aren't fans of it, but I love him as Gigolo Joe and AI. Mm-hmm. Yo, yeah. yeah, I do too. I love I loved AI. That's a dirt. That's mm-hmm. one of my movies. I, I, I went to Most the, the I went to see I went to the theater and saw that man, and I just that fucking kid creeped me the fuck out, dude. <laughs> I love it. That's what it's supposed to do. I yeah. I, well, it did, and it just didn't work for me though. I, I wasn't endeared to him. I was wanting to go in there and get. And I know you're, and you're not a fan of this movie. I get it, Jake. But I was wanting to go in there and get ET, and instead I got, I got a, a mishmash of Kubrick and Spielberg that just did not work, man. So yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I love that movie. Oh, I can't stand it. Oh, it's so creepy. I just, I, when she dropped the kid off in the woods, I'm like, thank God. Some, and please, somebody just kill him. Just kill him. <laughs> God, put this, put this abomination out of his misery. He was an abomination to, to science and God. The fact that it gave you those feelings makes me like it more. I bet. That movie worked. <laughs> hey, Steve, you got any thoughts on AI? Uh, yeah, I need to go see it. You've never seen AI. <laughs> No. Uh, yeah, give it a shot. Give it a shot and see if you like it. It's uh, it's one of those. It, it was a Stanley Kubrick project, and then and then he died, and and Steven Spielberg. Oh no, no, I I know the whole story and yeah. everything. I just never saw the movie. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. It's worth a viewing. I just oh man, I don't know. Anyway, DC news. How about that? Ready to jump into DC now. There we go. DC. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. Sometimes when I podcast, I, sometimes I feel alone. There's, there's many times when I'm talking with Jake that I feel alone on certain topics. And uh, this is one of them. Aww. I, I know. It is sad. It is sad. You know? It's like I, I know as soon as, like, these words leave my mouth that, I, that they will be met with uh, nothing uh, but just, just – Maybe disdain. Disdain and, 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 and just, it, just a cold environment all around. 
And it's like, <laughs> and, and sometimes I, I, you know, like you live in that abusive relationship for so long that you, that you forget that other people out there might like the same things as you. You know what I mean? You know, it's like, you know, you, you're stuck in this bad marriage for so long. And, uh, you know, you know, Tuesday night is meatloaf night, but every once, you know, you know what? Tuesday night can also be taco night. And so I'm hoping that tonight is taco night with Eric Wade. Not so much, Steve. I don't know, Steve. Me and you just aren't. We aren't. <laughs> you don't like all my things either, bro. <laughs> anyway, Damon Lindelof spoke at an event put on Variety uh, about his new Watchmen project at HBO. And here was his quote. Watchmen. It was dangerous. And you can't be dangerous for dangerous sake. But the reason that I'm doing this is these are dangerous times and we need dangerous shows. What we think about superheroes is wrong. I love the Marvel movies and we saw Justice League and this this morning and I'm all for Wonder Woman and Batman and I grew up on these characters. But we should not trust people who put on masks and say that they are looking out for us. If you hide your face, you are up to no good. So, uh, Eric, Steve, I, I want you guys – are you guys looking forward to the Damon Lindelof's Watchmen? I mean like, Jake, you're not a fan of the property, but you like Damon Lindelof. I, I'm, actually, I, I'm actually completely all in on this. I'm very excited for this. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean I'm not – Lindelof is going to fix the Watchmen and make it a fucking awesome HBO superhero see, see, show. Uh, yeah, I got to stop you right there. I mean uh, – <laughs> Fix the Watchmen. Uh, <laughs> Fix is a bad word. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna adapt it well and have a lot of stuff to do with the kind of stuff he likes to write about within that world. All right, yeah, I like that a lot better than Fix the Watchmen. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> even though I'm not the biggest fan of the I property, yeah. I am a huge fan of Damon Lindelof, mm -hmm. and so and so I'm all in. Yeah. I'm assuming that there's a good chance I'm going to like this, even though I'm not the biggest Alan Moore guy. I watched recently. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Did you guys watch? Uh, you know, Chris Hardwick had his like little talk show on AMC. Did you guys watch it when he had Damon Lindelof on there? No, but I heard about it. I read about the aftermath. It was. I didn't see it. Oh, it was no. so good. It was so good. I mean, he talks about like you know, he talks about like being bullied on Twitter and why he left Twitter and everything and. Um, it, it, it was yeah. fantastic. I, I love the guy. I think he's great. Anyway, Steve, Eric, uh, I'll start. Steve, I'll start with you. Um, I feel like yeah. I've been asking you to go last. Like, what are your thoughts on like a Damon Lindelof Watchmen project at HBO? I'm a huge fan of Damon Lindelof. I love what he does. And if there's a good director involved, I think we're going to get a great property out of Watchmen for a television series because HBO is not stupid when it comes to storytelling. So, if he comes to them saying, I have six episodes for the first season, they're going to go, fantastic. We'll, we'll, you, we'll give you the green light for six episodes. I just feel like this is the perfect combination for mm -hmm. what we need right now. And what, and, and I completely disagree with what he's saying. And that makes me more intrigued with seeing the show. You disagree with his statements about this show that he just, because he's saying that people should not be hiding behind the mask. I think and I'm, I, and I'm and I'm a huge fan of just like you know with I'm on Cap's side when it comes to civil war. Yeah, I, I think he's talking about today's political climate. I think okay. I, I mean either I, either whatever he's trying to get at. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I like. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Prometheus, and I feel if you get a good director in behind his writing, 
we we have a good story. So I'm I'm really excited, and I need to rewatch the Watchmen. I've only seen it once. I never. I still need to read the comic, and I'm. This makes me really excited for the show. Eric, what are you thinking, man? Um, you know, I I I love Lindelof. I love the things that he does. I can guarantee you, I will not be able to understand the story he tells with Watchmen, but I'm hoping I enjoy it anyway, <laughs> which is typically how I go with Lindelof shows. Um. The, I'm a little scared of him getting a hold of Dr. Manhattan because I don't know where he's going to go with that character. But I, I really, I, I, the things I hear him saying, I, I kind of question. Um, the idea that you don't hide behind the mask. Eh, yeah, you do. We all, we, we've all read enough comic. Anyone listening to this podcast is going to understand why heroes use masks and stuff. Um, but it doesn't make me any less excited for to see the product that he's going to put out with control of this universe. I, I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'm a huge fan of the movie. Um, I love the graphic novel. I, I, I want to see, I'm really excited to see someone like Lindelof and get a hold of this property. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the movie and the graphic novel as well. Like I, I own the, what is it? The four disc Watchmen extended cut. And I mean, it's got like the the black nice. fra- the, the black freighter, uh, you know, comic book inter you know within the film itself, and and I mean, and that helps. That really helps with with uh, watching with watching the movie. It really helps. Um, Jake, I'm surprised, man, because like, you know, I'm surprised because last time we talked, you were kind of just like, yeah, I'll I'll wait and see what Lindelof can do with it. Maybe he can. Maybe no. Last time we talked, it was me just – it was kind of sticker shock a little bit. Yeah, sure. I mean the, the announcement was still fresh and Lindelof being one of my favorite writers. I mean both Lost and The Leftovers are two of my all-time favorite television shows. It was initially just kind of a knee-jerk bummer that his next project was something that I wasn't the biggest fan of the source material. I mean I completely respect the source material. Yeah, yeah. But the more I've kind of let it simmer, I – I know 100% that Lindelof isn't going to do a direct adaptation of the source material, and he's going to put himself into it. And I, I got to imagine that's going to be something that's going to entertain me. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to see more Rorschach. I can't wait to get casting announcements. Um, you, you're not just getting tacos here. You're getting like Philly cheesesteak. I, I know. This is uh, this is amazing. That's the thing. Yeah, you see, you know, you know, I see sometimes I I walk into these like anytime there's a new story about uh, you know, something that I really like and I bring it up with Jake, it's just like, oh man, here we go. It's like it's like uh I I open my mouth, Jake takes a shit in it and and Jake says, "There's your chocolate sundae, asshole." And it's like <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good example of that. Uh, um Oh, what's the crappy broken lizard movie? Uh Super Troopers. Yeah, that's 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 a good example. I wouldn't call it crappy. I call it a I call it I call <laughs> it <laughs> Sicario. It's comedic genius. I gave Sicario a high taste it, Eric. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> no man. Right? Right. A fucking high taste Wait, it for really? Sicario. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I don't I didn't remember it that way. I just remember Brian being mad that you didn't Tupperware. Yeah. No, that's no, 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 no. <laughs> I gave it a high taste as well, I believe. Fuck yeah, you. I didn't like I'm Emily Blunt's it. character very much. She she kept me from Tupperware in it. Oh God, God yeah. I definitely it's definitely <laughs> the third when it comes to uh wow I'm blanking on his name but just Hell or High Water uh, Wind River the writer uh, the creator of those stories. It's uh, Taylor Sheridan. Taylor Sheridan, thank you. It's definitely third when it comes to those three movies. Well, he he didn't he didn't direct this one. 
He uh, he, he did not. No, he he didn't. Or Hell or High Water. Uh, he didn't do that. That was uh, was that Denis who did that? Who did? No, Wind um, Ri- he, 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 oh. he wrote he wrote and directed Wind River. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. Ah, you guys are killing me. You guys are killing me. Anyway, uh, more. I think this is an amazing. I think this is amazing news coming from DC, and it comes from Deadline. Harley Quinn, the breakout character from the Warner Brothers DC film Suicide Squad, that is already set up for a spinoff movie, is getting her own animated TV series. Warner Brothers' upcoming DC-branded direct-to-consumer digital platform has ordered 26 episodes of half-hour adult animated action comedy series Harley Quinn from powerless executive producers Justin Halpern and Patrick Schumacher, uh, blah, 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 via Warner Brothers Animation. Um, This was something that they had talked about a couple years ago. I think we actually brought it up on the show um, and now it's finally going to happen with this DC streaming service. What gets me really excited about this is not the episode order count. I mean, 26 episodes is a lot. Um, what gets me excited about this is that it's adult animated action comedy. I like that. Yeah. I can see this being insanely popular with the popularity of Harley Quinn added with, you know, being able to go off the chain with the mature content. I can see this being a hit. Yeah. I just think like, Oh my gosh, I'd like to see them just do something really creative and really cool with this. But I think 26 episodes is a little excessive. I like, that's why I like, you know, even though I don't feel like I get enough Rick and Morty, I like that. It's a tight, you know, 10 episodes, you know, and they're good. They're great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's almost like they're running it like an anime because a 26-episode order is usually what you get for a season of an anime. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, it's just a lot for me. It's like that's a big commitment. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah. What, are you, what are you guys thinking? I mean, this this might sound weird, but I hope it's like BoJack. I don't know. I saw the one picture they released with it, and I, I'm just like, I hope it's like BoJack. Like, not like yeah, that. That's that. That was just con- like the dark humor. You know what yeah. I mean? That's concept like, art that they had from two years ago. So that's oh, that, that's okay. not that might not even be the direction that they take this in. But like, what you saw in that picture was like Harley Quinn standing up like on a bar stool, um, yeah, with, with other like Batman villains in this bar sitting down. So you had like. I don't know, like uh, King Shark and I don't know, a bunch of other, like I, I think uh, Solomon Grundy was there. Um, so there was like a, and then Clayface. So yeah, it, it was, so that was concept art from like what they had initially thought they were going to do a couple years ago. And now that it's finally being ordered, it could be, it could look completely different, but. That's fine. I'm just talking about like the story. Oh, I know, I know, I, I know. I want to make sure. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So you're talking about basically just like instead of her going around and like fighting Batman and fighting heroes and doing shit, you just want to see like uh, like what she does in her downtime, right? Is that what you're saying? Like this this side of her life in her downtime. I mean, I don't know who they can show in this, but it seems like if she's going with all the villains, if it if it's based off of what that picture is, whether if the animation is like it. I I don't know. I'm just like That's, I just hope it's more adult story yeah. line wise, like BoJack goes. Like not saying it's gonna be like BoJack, but 
hit that same level. I wouldn't mind, like if we're hey if we're getting like what we saw in that picture. I wouldn't mind it. That's like Harley Quinn in Cheers. You know what I mean? Let's like take like what yeah like exactly Harley Quinn exactly yeah Harley Quinn walks into a bar and there's like all these other villains and like who knows like what kind of conversations they could have. They could have adult conversations about like how they you know the, the last encounter that they had with like you know Batman out on the streets and shit like that. And like it could be funny like oh my god I can't believe Batman does this or Batman does that or like you know and they could like give out like really embarrassing shit that happens to them when they're out there um you know and kite man is the jerry yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i don't know man i they're trying to get like the rumor is they're trying to get margot robbie to voice it i think that that her price tag is going to be a little too high um yeah right now even though she is kind of like for some people synonymous with the character i'm i'm not the biggest fan of her portrayal anyway but who's, yeah, who's i think you get a really good voice actor yeah in there. yeah with good with great comedic delivery what what, what are you saying steve who's distributing it like where can we where will we be able to view this this is going to be that new warner brothers dc streaming service that they're ah, the, the one that okay. they're going to have titans on the one that that they're moving all the warner brothers dc stuff to eventually when their contracts run out with like hulu and you know that's all well, the contracts did run out with the tv shows from Hulu, and then I think once, you know, I think eventually, like, the Supergirl stuff will run out, and they'll, they'll host Supergirl and Arrow and Legends and all these shows on this on this streaming service. That's where we're getting Titans. Uh, right. That's where I we're going to get Young Justice Season 3, and so they're also going to have Harley Quinn being one of these shows. Eric, do you have any thoughts on this? Do you care? Well, you know, she's always struck me as one of those characters that was, I, I just, I, I, I like her in small doses. I don't like her constant, you know, yeah. I, I worry about her as a lead. I like what Steve was saying. Steve, I do. I, I like, for once, I like what you were saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. No, I like what you were saying. Like, make it like, make it kind of like BoJack Horseman, like a dark comedy. Um, but not necessarily a dark. Just make it something different, right? I think that's what you're going for. Like you don't. You're not saying necessarily saying like make it a dark comedy. It doesn't have to be like tragic humor. But like, yeah, I don't need a washed up actor. Or yeah, something. I just need like I I don't even need to like because I was reading it on how she's like she just dumped the Joker. I don't even need that. I just want Harley Quinn on the adventures with Poison Ivy or any other Gotham villain because. She decided to stay in Gotham for six months. I don't know. Or she's had, I, she has a daughter now, and she's got to deal with that and make yeah. it like more of a sitcom, dark comedy based. Whatever yeah. it is, just make it different. I don't even need to see any action. Like I really don't. Like I would be happy just seeing like what Harley Quinn does in her downtime. Like and just like, I agree. Just like you know, like like that great scene. I one of my favorite scenes in an animated movie of the last five years. Is the like the video game villain support group in Wreck It Ralph like that? <laughs> yeah, right. And like if they could like if like the people that so are in good. charge of this project watch that and are like, oh my god, we could really do something very cool with Batman's villains rogues gallery and do something like that in like this bar setting or whatever setting, like maybe even like a support group setting. They could do something really cool with that with some adult humor. 
and we could get to see sides of these characters that are just you know give it that kind of like you know she is kind of like right now she is kind of like Warner Brother like DC's Deadpool just run with mm-hmm. that give it give us that you know so yeah play up the self aware aspect yeah of what yeah. she is to the company yeah yeah that could be yeah. fun. There was a rumor that Joss Whedon was no longer attached to direct the Batgirl film that came from a unreputable source, in my opinion, Super Bro Movies. And EW sources confirmed that this is not the case and that he is still at this moment attached to the Batgirl film. And so I just wanted to get that out there. If people have been seeing that article floating around that Joss Whedon is no longer directing the Batgirl film. Now, if this film does get greenlit and, you know, does get a production budget and all this other stuff. Joss Whedon's still involved, so I don't know. I, I thought I thought the source usually when you see like a source like Super Bro movies or I don't know Bleeding Cool. Yeah, Bleeding Cool is another one of them. You can kind of like tell like maybe it's they're not always one hundred percent legit. Uh, Jeff Johns confirmed with Entertainment Weekly that Batman will appear in Flashpoint. Quote. There's elements in it that we're going to be playing into that we couldn't do anywhere else. The scale of it, the Batman story of it all. And I think that he's basically just saying what I still think is that he's just confirming that Thomas Wayne's Batman is going to be in this. So, yeah. Because it's still going to be the same actor, you think? It's got to be Jeffrey Dean Morgan, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the same universe, I guess, at this point. So. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. Are you guys hoping for that, or, or do you want to see Ben Affleck? Yeah, I totally, I, I totally want to see Jeffrey D. Morgan as, as Thomas Wayne. I, I, I would love to see that. I think he fits the part perfectly. Um, I don't know. Do you think maybe we see a trimmed down version of it? We don't even see an Affleck type of story tied into it. Really, do you need any of that? Uh, what type story? Well, Affleck would be dead in that universe. Right. Yeah. right. What, I, what I'm saying is even leading into it. I mean, everyone knows the story. So right. you can just do the Thomas Wayne portion of it when he travels back and that's it, can't I, you? I, I, oh, yeah. I agree. You don't You don't need Bruce. You don't waste to, time on anything else current. Yeah. Yeah. Just ju- like, like let's just jump into this alternate – universe that we have now you know i mean we already know that wonder woman's going to be in it so is she going to be like the badass like leader of themyscira and are we going to get jason momoa cast in this soon and like it's the battle against you know uh themis like the amazons against the atlanteans are they going to change things up a bit i mean it can't be in a direct adaptation right no no (sighs) but i do i i do want to see Superman. I want to see that some some part of that Superman story. I would oh, love to yeah. see that. Hell yeah! And I want to see fucking Batman. I want to see like Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Thomas Wayne Batman with guns. Right. Right. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. That would make sense. It would be a lot more impactful if if the other Batman didn't already have a shit ton of guns, but it'll work. But wouldn't it be better then for this universe if? He yeah. didn't have guns. <laughs> yeah, I'm th- I, st- I thought that as soon as I said no. it, Steve. <laughs> it's this not Batman like... should be completely passive. Yeah, it's I don't know. Yeah, we... he should be. He should be like no guns. Batman and should be like what? Wasn't Batman <laughs> in Justice League? Sp- sorry, spoilers for Justice League. Wasn't he shooting like an alien gun in that film? I, I 
I believe they – I don't remember seeing him shooting anything, and I think that was on purpose. I don't remember, though. You might be right. That, that, I mean, because I can, Cause I can it, picture that in my head. Didn't it feel like he was fighting, like, the same parademon for, like, a fucking hour? And like, and every, like, like, like Wonder Woman and Aquaman had already killed like, like, like they're Legolas and fucking Gimli, and they've already killed like twenty apiece, and like Batman's still fucking around on the first Parademon. Yeah, that was great, but I, I'm not sure. It might be the hook sling thing that he's got, but you might be right as well. Yeah, yeah, I would love to see Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Thomas Wayne Batman. If, if, if it, I, 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 I got to admit, like, if they if they can get a good director on this Flash movie, I. I I'm hoping that they can turn this all around because I feel like now that Snyder's gone, now that Goyer's gone, that it can only go up from here, you know. I'm with you, Brian. I think Flash is the last bastion of hope for me. Yeah. Like if they don't write the ship there, then it feels like all is lost. Well, what about what about another Patty Jenkins Wonder Woman film? That almost feels like from a separate universe at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it can't expand <laughs> anything other than than itself, you know? Do you think that that's why... Guy- I mean, Brian... Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was just saying they could easily just say that Wonder Woman has had the same story in two different universes, so if they switch over to something else for whatever reason, Wonder Woman could just leave the charge. Oh, God, that's just too much to explain, Steve. Right? <laughs> they could, I, I'm sure they can dumb it down. That, I mean, we, we had Batman v Superman. I'm sure they can dumb it down. <laughs> Ah, man. That's a great point, Steve. <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, I, I just want, I just want, it's just, the studio is already announcing, like, you know, this Joker origin film. They're, you know, they're, it, it seems like they're trying to get away from, like, the, the whole connected universe and just give us, they just want to give us stories, you know? And it, it they so, don't know. They don't know what they want. Yeah. In my opinion, they have no idea what they're doing, and they're yeah. literally grasping at straws. And uh, Wonder Woman worked. Fantastic. Yeah. People are kind of positive about Justice League if they're not critics, you know, yeah. and not pop yeah. culture leftovers. You know, so it's like it's just one of those things where oh, I know, I know, I know, they're I know, reactionary. I know you liked and, your. I, I know you liked your. Uh, you, you liked your carbon copy of a Marvel film brought to life in a yeah, DC movie. That, that's fine. I, I, I don't want. I'm not like you said. Movies are subjective, and I completely agree with everything you guys were saying during your review. Yeah, like so. You, you guys aren't wrong. I just my. I was just very nostalgic about it, but you can you can check out my review on CNN Movie Reviews. Either way, yeah, I know. I just I didn't. Hey, I didn't appreciate your dig, sir. <laughs> You're right. Okay. I, I, I sighed at it too. I wasn't trying to dig at you guys. To be honest. I'm just very snarky. Now, now, people now. call me sassy. You yeah. know, not uh, just spoilery. Eh, just uh, sassy. Hey. I'm just saying. You know, I recognize your dig. I wasn't gonna let it go. All right. Couldn't let it go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I already lost where I was going with this. But great talk, guys. No, it's fine. <laughs> No, it's like I don't, Jake. Jake, I, I I don't even know if they can pull off uh, the Flash Flashpoint film because that that that's still even if they're doing Flash Flashpoint, it's almost like they're still trying to hold on to like this whole connected universe. When I feel like they could just make great solo stories, just give yeah. me a great fucking Flash movie. Now, like with this Flash movie, they're already saying, okay, you're getting Wonder Woman in it, you're gonna get Batman in it, and it feels like they're just like not willing to just give us a great Flash movie, like. Just give me a great Batman movie. 
just give me a great Aquaman movie. It doesn't have to feel like everything's connected. Batman Suicide Squad's the same, same Sui- way. Yeah. Black Adam. Black Adam showing up in this fucking thing. Just give me a good Suicide Squad movie. Suicide Squad, they had to throw in the Joker. They had to throw in, like, this end-of-the-world scenario. I'm so done with end-of-the-world scenarios in these films. You had Man of Steel. What what was the whole goal? Let's terraform the planet. What happened? What happened in uh, uh, this last movie, Justice League? What did what did Steppenwolf want to do? He wanted to terraform the whole planet to turn it <laughs> turn it into his planet. And it's like it's like ha ha. And and then it, and then Suicide Squad. It was an end of the world scenario. Like each movie, like can't we just like what what's going to happen in the Nightwing film? Is he going to have to save the world? I surely fucking hope not. I hope Adam. <laughs> I hope Adam McKay just gives us like a really cool. Nightwing story. I don't need a whole end of the fucking world scenario for a Nightwing film. Or, you know, I don't know. Whatever. I'm done bitching. Whatever. Yeah, you gotta build up to those scenarios yeah. for those scenarios to not feel tropey and have any impact whatsoever. Well, well hold on. Like, like, what do you, like after Steppenwolf tries to take over the world, where do you go with Darkseid then? So now you're bringing it, let's say they, they were gonna bring in Darkseid. That was the goal. They're not doing it now. They're pulling back on that. But like, that was the goal. Like, what was Darkseid gonna do? The exact same fucking thing. More of the same shit. Right. The bigger weapon. Right. Exactly. Jesus. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, Star Wars news. Steve's little dig. <laughs> what was the dig? I don't even know what it was. Oh, you. Oh, yeah. Uh, or your pop culture. Yeah, you know, you know, some people didn't like it. Oh, yeah. Critics. That's right. No, you're right. Yeah, you call the dig. You're right. Yeah. yeah. No, oh, man. I, man. I didn't even realize I said it. Good job, guys. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Did I mention I how know. happy I am you're on this episode and taking this shit? Because it probably would have been me if you weren't on. So thank you. Oh, what? oh no, I got you, Eric. Like I love this. This is like this is the love. Like, Eric, this is the love. Like just so listeners know, Brian loves me. Just for saying that, Eric, you're fucked. You are so fucked now. <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking up ways to fuck with Eric. <laughs> no, in all honesty, people don't. No, you know what? One of my favorite fucking things to do is like just to show up on one of Steve's podcasts unannounced. I love to surprise you. <laughs> I love it. It's the best. I'm like, oh my god, we were not prepared for this. this? <laughs> like Steve will like Steve will like throw up the bat signal, you know, like hey, I need somebody to join me on tonight's you know episode of the watch list or whatever. And so like all of a sudden I'll be driving and be like, fuck it, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna join Scenic Cast, talk to these guys. I like I like Steve. I like Kova. And then, uh, yeah, I always have a good time talking to you guys. So, yeah, I may give you shit on my own show, but, you know, that's 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 how we do things here, you know? No, thank you. That means so much. I appreciate it, Brian. Thank yeah. you. Uh, yeah, it, it, no, it's one of my favorite things. I, I really enjoy talking to you guys. You guys are a lot of fun. Um, uh, Star Wars news. Let's jump into Star Wars news. Here's the here's your, here's the tried and true bumper. Fuck it, fuckheads. Uh, anyway, here we go. Thank God. Fuck you. Thank <laughs> <laughs> God. What a Misa saying. You were supposed to be here with me, listening to Pop Culture Leftovers podcast. That's not true. That's impossible. All right, guys. Uh, the Last Jedi is uh tracking 200 million dollars so far 
opening at the box office for that opening weekend. Those are huge numbers, guys. I'm talking about, like, there's not many films that do that. Of course, The Force Awakens did it. Uh, what's another one? Uh, the Avengers. Uh, maybe not Iron many. Man. Iron Man 3, maybe? Avatar? I don't know. I mean, this. Avatar didn't do it on one weekend. Yeah. Or yeah. are we talking total? Wait, wait. I'm sorry. Is this domestic? Uh, yeah, I think so. $200 million bo- opening box. Yeah, domestic. Yeah. There's only three okay. movies. There's only three movies that have actually done it. I, I don't know what they are. I know The Force Awakens was one of them. I'm pretty sure Avengers was the other. And there's a third one that I can't think of right now that have opened to $200 million domestically. Didn't, like, Spider-Man 2 fucking do that shit? It, or Titanic, even? I don't know if Titanic did it. It's a good guess. Yeah, Titanic though. didn't do it because it was too long. Yeah. It, it was impossible for it to do it, I think. Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's going to make, it's going to make a shit ton of money that first weekend. And a lot of people were saying that The Last Jedi was going to see, they were going to see like a, a decrease as far as like, um, interest from, from people that it wasn't going to have as big a opening as The Force Awakens, which it may not, but it's going to be close. It looks like if these, if these calculations are correct, I think, can I, can I say something real quick? I think it will, because here's the thing. Everybody got burned during The Phantom Menace, and that was the beginning of the new trilogy. And then anybody that actually went back to see Attack of the Clones were burned even worse, in some people's opinions. So after hearing that The Force Awakens is good, let alone great, more people, I think, will actually check it out opening weekend for The Last Jedi. I think I think it I think it's I think it's doing great because I think I think The Force Awakens was a I think it was a great movie. I think people are coming back to see Luke. You know. Yeah, I agree with that. They they did good on that by holding Luke back. Yeah. I, some people may come to see Luke they didn't even come to see Force Awakens. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they might have seen Force Awakens when it came out to Redbox or Video on Demand or whatever or, you know, uh Stars or whatever it may be. And now they're going to the theater because they want to see Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker again. So, so, so by that logic, do you, you guys are saying you think that that Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker is a bigger draw than Harrison Ford was in the first movie? You think? Yes. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Mark Hamill is a bigger draw than Harrison Ford. Right. But I think the character of Luke Skywalker Luke. is a bigger draw than the character of yeah. Han Solo. I think the 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 allure of like what has Luke been doing, or and who is this character now, thirty years later, is is enough Here, to bring people into the theaters. Here's the thing, though. We're talking about opening weekend. So if Luke was in The Force Awakens for uh, any more than fifty seconds. I still think it'll be a bigger opening to 200,000 or 200 million, I'm sorry, opening weekend for The Last Jedi because of that. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tough road for that 200 million because Last Jedi is the longest Star Wars movie and that's going to, you know, they're probably going to be able to play it one less time a day than they could Force Awakens with the extra 30 minutes. Is it an extra 30 minutes? It's an extra 30 minutes? That can't be. Well, right. I mean, I, I'm I'm averaging, I'm rounding up. Isn't Last Jedi two and a half hours? Yeah, yeah. And the other one was what, like? I think it was 208? like two twenty, two fifteen, or something. I don't know. Two fifteen. Yeah. yeah, maybe. I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, but I mean, even fifteen minutes, if you you know you times that by six, is adds enough of a wedge in there where you can't you chop away one showtime. 
Yeah. Let's, I see what you're saying. I know. I, I, and that, that was like one of my points about like Warner Brothers last week that I mentioned when we talked Justice League is like that's one of the mandates that Warner Brothers had for cutting that movie to two hours because they wanted to get more showings in the theater, you know. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting. But that they're, they're you know, I don't know if it was boxoffice.com or box office mojo, but they were tracking it at like 200 million. So we'll see. I got well, we're it. talking about a movie that's in every theater. Like, I mean, I know we were talking about how you guys don't have like Regal or Cinemark near you guys like I do with near near me, but you guys have your own theaters like every what three four five miles mm-hmm. no yeah. you know like there's like if, if one movie theater is sold out you're just going to go to another one yeah 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 but you it, know what it, i mean it, but i mean it, you're talking about like what jake's talking about is just like you know one extra showing in the day spread that out over you know six thousand theaters across the nation that's additional money that they're losing Ah, only yeah. only four movies have made over two hundred million in four days or less. Okay, and those movies are Avengers, The Force Awakens, and um, Avengers Two: Age of Ultron. It's number four with four days to two hundred million, and number two is you want to take a guess before I say it? Uh, Iron Man Three. Jurassic World. Jurassic World. Colin Trevorrow. Uh, yeah. The second sense. fastest movie ever to 200 million. That's that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense now. That would. That, yeah. Well, I never would have guessed it, but as soon as I heard it, I was like, "Oh, wow." Yeah. That made a that made a shit ton of money. Was that 2015. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. It was 2015. That's the, I think that's the state. That's like the the year like money went into the box office because. That was the same year Fast 7 came out with Paul Walker's death and everything. Like, everyone went to the theater that year, I feel like. Well, yeah, Universal killed it that year, right? I mean, yeah. they, the Street Out of Compton was good, for, big for them. Fa- uh, Fast and Furious. Yeah, that's right. And then, uh, and then Jurassic World. So. No, good call. That's right. Captain America Civil War is number five. Beauty and the Beast, six. Dark Knight, seven. Harry Potter, part two, eight. Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, 9, and Dark Knight Rises, 10. Wow. On the wow. 10 fastest movies to make $200 million. Wow. All That's right. a fucked up list. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Some of them just do not deserve to be on that list. <laughs> Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. Oh, God. <laughs> number 9. Oh, man. Someone come and knock that into number 11. I uh, got a Star Wars email here that I want to read, and it comes from uh, listener Ray... Spelled R-A-Y, not R-E-Y. And it reads, Brian, good afternoon, and I hope you and the rest of the leftovers had a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Below is a link for a potential Star Wars The Last Jedi spoiler about who Rey's parents are. The link claims that the reveal is in the Star Wars Battlefront 2 video game that was released a couple weeks ago. What are your thoughts about this? Could it be true? How do you feel that the video game has revealed a big mystery for a major character? Thanks. And that comes from Ray. And the article he sent me was from MovieWeb.com. And... It goes on to say that The Last Jedi promises to give us the definitive answer in a few short weeks about who Rey's parents are, but suave players who have finished the new Star Wars Battlefront 2 video game think they have it figured out. Rey's parents are a pair known as, drumroll, Iden Versio and Del Mico. 
Ha! I told you. <laughs> oh, you were fucking right. <laughs> this whole time. Oh, man. Unearth those recordings. I, 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 well, I believed you when you said Iden Versio, but I said there's yeah. no way Del Mico. No way. <laughs> oh, they telegraphed that shit a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> Oh fuck! The same news came out with like what was it? Shattered Empire, that comic strip that came out with the trees. Oh god! Don't even get me started. Uh, Jake's not a big fan of the forest trees. No, but what I'm saying is like the news, the way they were trying to do the clickbait. Like when yeah. that comic book came out, they were like, "We figured out who Ray's or Ray's parents are, along with Pose, because they are Pose parents." They and are, then, yeah. Oh man, check out these trees. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. You no, no, summed that up no, no, perfectly. No, no. Listen, listen, I'm all about the trees. I'm just trying to make it, like, neutral here, Brian. I, I, I'm all about the trees, but I'm sure Jake's like, fuck the trees. And I'm like, trees, man, they're trees. Uh, Steve is all about them trees, about them trees, about them trees. <laughs> no, no, it hurts my heart that I'm not all about the trees. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, hold on. Like, even even if her parents are Aiden Versio and Del Mico, I don't even know. <laughs> I, I don't even know who the fuck they are. <sighs> God damn it! You're mispronouncing their names. That's the biggest fallacy. Oh, excuse me. How do you how do you pronounce them no, there? I I don't know. I was just making shit up. All right. Anyway, like uh, I I don't think that they're going to reveal her parents in the Battlefront Two video game. I think that this is just in game canon. Right. I mean, even though even though I hear that they talk about Luke's compass in this, you know, which is an actual element to the last Jedi film, I, I, I can't believe that they're going to give away her parents. And if Iden Vergio and Del Mico are her parents, that those could be the names of like one of those one of those could be a Kenobi. I don't know. We'll, I, we'll find out. We'll find out in a few in a couple weeks. I don't know. Jake, what, what do you think about this bullshit? Oh, it's just ridiculous. Anytime people try to perpetuate that some like video game side canon story is like some big canon news, it, I just I roll my eyes. Yeah. So I mean, okay. There's I, a- I don't. I, they, they want that reveal to actually move us and not have some nerd have to explain some video game to us when it happens. Yeah, I mean, Screen Rant, they broke down, like, this whole story, like, the in-game story about, you know, Del Mico and Aiden Vergio, whoever the fuck these were, and and this, and all this garbage in here. Um, I mean, Kylo Ren's, even invo- Kylo Ren's even involved in this story. I, I don't know. Here, here, do, you, do, you, do you want me to read a little bit of it? I mean, Lor Santeca's involved in this. <laughs> no, listen. I don't no, know, save your breath. <laughs> yeah, hey, for me. Hey, I'm sorry, Eric. Go ahead. No, go go right ahead. All I was going to say is, unless it's from a story written by Claudia Gray, I don't believe Star Wars is giving any type of spoileric information out to any other writers when it comes to books, comic books, or video games. So this is a way to sell video games. Is this just in canon within the game? So like. Yeah, that's how I'm taking it because Claudia Gray, if you guys read Bloodline, reveals the reason why we have General Leia and not Senator or Queen or anything else. So other than that, I feel like anything else that's written or anything – unless Claudia Gray is in charge of the writing because she's dealt with Ryan Johnson uh, and – wow, I just had a brain fart on Star Wars, Star Trek director, uh, J.J. Abrams. There you go. I, I I don't think it'll be 
unless it's Claudia Gray, I'm not going off of any of this being anything substantial for The Last Jedi or Episode Nine. All right. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think it's silly that they would reveal this, you know, especially just a few weeks before the movie comes out in a video yeah. game. And then, like, I, I understand, like, people are just kind of like, Iden Vergio and Delmica. Like, I don't even, I don't know what the fuck that means. Um, you know, I don't play, I don't, I don't plan on playing the video game to find out either. And, um, I don't know. Eric, do you got any, any, any thoughts on this? <laughs> No, I, I don't believe. So maybe I missed it in that article. What exactly? I mean, how do they approach it? Saying okay. that these are raised. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, there are two official Star Wars canon characters introduced in the new Battlefront Two game, and it makes sense. Most fans have long suspected that Rey is not Luke Skywalker's daughter or even a blood relative. She's not Kylo Ren's sister, despite her connection to Han Solo and that controversial Leia hug at the end of Star Wars 7. As often prophesied, Rey's parents are two individuals who were not connected to the original trilogy. Instead, they are connected to the new video game. And before you argue that there was no trace of them in The Force Awakens, there was in the remnants left over from the Battle of Jakku. Battlefront never comes right out and says this pair is Rey's parents, but there is significant evidence to back it up. The new video game story follows the Inferno Squad, a team of elite Imperial soldiers led by Rey's supposed mom, Aiden Verzio. Tales of this small team of soldiers first emerge in the wake of the events that took place in Return of the Jedi. By the end of the road, Verzio and her teammate, Delmico, switch teams and become rebel soldiers. The rebels are able to conquer the Empire at Jakku, with the final remnants retreating to the unknown regions where Snoke is rumored to hail from. In the aftermath of the Empire's fall, Aiden and Del fall in love, settle down, and have a daughter. As the First Order rises out of the ashes of the Empire, they kidnap Miko, with Kylo Ren interrogating the man for the location of Lord Santeca, and the map to Luke Skywalker, leading to the events that eventually kick off The Force Awakens. Miko is eventually killed off by Gideon Hask, a former member of the Inferno Squad, who is now an officer in the First Order. Uh, The fate of Aiden Vergio and her very powerful daughter are never revealed, but before he dies at the hands of Hask, Miko warns the First Order to stay away from Eden and their daughter, uh, he tells Kylo that his little girl is very dangerous. This is one of the story elements that is left as a cliffhanger with new Battlefront DLC set to release during the theatrical debut of The Last Jedi this December. So that's a oh, little bit... Oh, shit, you better get on that DLC so we can find out all the rest of the scoops. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just... So even in this article, they, they say that it's not 100% confirmed that she's right. the, the daughter I, you know, I, I I struggle to think that this is how they're gonna reveal it. It just <laughs> doesn't seem. <laughs> hey, you can't really say it's as, say who her parents are, but you can write it into the story. So it's kind. Of, I, maybe that's maybe, too big. A, that's too big a piece of information for them to use in this way. I think maybe I don't think no one at EA was ever even told. Right. The answer is yeah. Right. I mean, Claudia Gray is on audio saying that she got one storyline too close to the Last Jedi and spoke to Ryan Johnson and had to change a whole 
storyline around with Bloodline. Hmm. So I know if, uh, at least that, and I, I've just heard of other writers that, you know, Kathleen Kennedy and this, and just the Star Wars executive board, they're close with the timeline in general and they have control over everything and there's no way they're releasing any type of not, like, hints through a video game. Uh, it's all through the movie. Fuck you, I'm convinced. It's Aiden Vergio and Duff <laughs> 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 yeah, This listener went through a lot of trouble to get us this information. Yeah. You're right. So. And, and how, many how many, how many, years ago? How many Bothans died to give us this information? <laughs> too many, Brian. Too, too many. many. One, one is too many. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, reading this quote, uh, from Mark Hamill talking to Entertainment Weekly about stepping foot on the Millennium Falcon again was pretty powerful just to read it. I, I'll be honest with you, I welled up a little bit just reading this. He, his quote is, I'm telling you, I didn't expect to have that reaction I had. I was there with my family, with my children, Nathan and Griffin and Chelsea and my wife, Mary Lou. And Lucasfilm asked if they could doc, and if the documentary crew could be there when I came back on the Millennium Falcon. I mean, this was not on the shooting day. I was just wearing street clothes and going to visit the set. And I said, sure. It was sort of like visiting an old house that you lived in when you were a kid. I mean, I just welled up with emotion and I said, I need to be by myself. Like, wow. I was, I read that and I was just like, I don't know. I welled up myself just like reading that, just knowing how much it meant to him to, you know, here he is wow. 30 years later revisiting this character. Like, this is where he started. This is, he owes a lot to Star Wars. He, all the relationships and friendships that he's formed playing this character, um, I mean, this is a big part of his life. And, I mean, I don't know, man. It's it's powerful when you think about it that way, you know? No, I agree. I got goosebumps the first time we just even saw that scene in the commercial. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure it was super powerful for him. And, yeah. And that's cool. I'm sure they respected his wishes and gave him his moment alone on the Falcon, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, they, after after he needed to be left by himself. I'm sure that – I wonder if the documentary, like if they stepped away, if they could get like a far shot of him on it. But I don't know. Um, you think he rubbed one out while he was in there? <laughs> dude, that would be amazing. I was thinking that, but I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> Why? Why? What? I don't know. I don't know because I was touched by this too and I didn't want to ruin it. What? Oh, I'm sure he was touched what? by it. Yeah, why would you say that word? Like that, that's just like that's like that's like bait. <laughs> <laughs> what masturbate? No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need to be the rest of the audience here. What the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> you feel like you're speaking for our audience right now? No, the rest. I said the rest. <laughs> oh, okay. It's like if if you're trying to speak for our audience, I think like. I'd say about 75% of them asked the same question Eric did. Like, did he, I, I agree with you. I'm he, talking for the 25. Did he jerk off in the Falcon or not? You know? Or, ah, <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Luke, um, are you done that? Be out in a minute. Yeah, that's what they meant by let the Wookiee win, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. um, you think there's enough rooms in there, but all these movies doesn't, just hallways. 
<laughs> you ever, you think Han ever walked around? It's just him and Chewie. You think Han just walked around there fucking like buck naked? Yeah, I mean, oh, that's basically yeah. what Chewie's doing. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. Sure. He's got fur. You know? <laughs> it's kind of like Porky Pig wearing pants. Like, what's the point? You know? Yeah, exactly. Daisy Ridley talked with Entertainment Weekly about Star Wars The Last Jedi. <laughs> And I found this uh, this quite uh, interesting. She said, uh, huh. what? What's going on over there? You all right, Steve? Sorry, I hit that by accident. It's <laughs> 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 all right. I'm just checking. I didn't know if you needed some medical attention or I didn't know what was going on over there. Anyway. Uh, no, I hit the button. Yeah. All right, Steve. You, 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 you handle you. All right, buddy. Uh, Daisy <laughs> You do you, boo boo. <laughs> you just, you do you. Daisy Ridley was talking with Entertainment Weekly. Here's her quote: "This is very much about Ray trying to figure out how she fits into all of this. Much like any of us, as we're growing up, as we're transitioning from childhood into adulthood, you're going to meet people who you think are going to help, who don't." And help is also going to come from unexpected places. Like, okay, hold on, hold on. Let's try to put this into perspective here. Because we've seen, like, uh, in the trailers, it looks like she goes to Luke for help. And he might be like, ah, no, no, I'm not down with that. And then we also see in the trailer, like, Kylo Ren. It looks like they cut it in a way where Kylo Ren's extending his hand. to like, hey, join me. And, And so, like... And th- this quote kind of lines up with that. I'm, I'm still not buying it. I'm still not. I think that quote is just talking about porgs, to be honest. Oh, Jesus. Fuck off. I, <laughs> I'm, so, ah, I'm so done with porgs. <laughs> they're they're help, help from unexpected places. That's, oh, that's a pork quote. God, I wish I could eat one for Thanksgiving, and that's about it. Um, I bet they're gamey. I'd, I'd still, I'd still eat, I'd still eat them. I'd, I'd throw them in a stew. I'd throw them in a chili. I don't know. I'd go nuts with those little fucking things. Would you eat them with green eggs and ham? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not about rhyming now either. Anyway, no. Yes, uh, I would. Okay. All right. I thought, it, I thought, it, I, I thought it was an interesting quote. I guess we could take it down the poor road if you want to, Jake. We can go there. I thought. I mean, I thought that this was an interesting quote. Is he, is it just misdirection from Daisy Ridley? Yeah, I, I think it's just. I mean, she is good at at just kind of saying vague stuff. I think it, playing the game yeah. now for a few years. I don't know so. if it's like I wouldn't say it's like all misdirection because I think like she is right. I think she is going to go to Luke, and Luke is not going to be like, "All right, gung ho, like I'm ready to train you." I think like he's kind of like, "I'm done with the Jedi." I, you know, look, I, look, I trained, I trained Kylo Ren and look what fucking happened. You know, I trained Ben Solo. Look what happened. He turned into Kylo Ren. Am I losing you guys? You guys just like. (laughs) No, no, not at all. I I, I do think, I do think that there is something to the plot line of Luke's not going to help her. And so she's going to have to get help from a different source than you would expect. There seems to be a lot riding on this, you know, who is going to help Ray. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it seems like the big answer that's being, you know, at least put out there by the filmmakers is it's going to be Kylo Ren. Yeah. Which makes me kind of want to not believe that. Yeah. Like the trailer's cut to make you think that it's Kylo Ren. Like, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Like part of me, part of me wants Kylo Ren by the end of this film to wise up to Snoke's bullshit 
and maybe just be like, hey, Ray, me, let me and you, let's do our own thing. Let's be gray Jedi. Or, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, let's go 50 shades of Ray and gray. I don't know. Maybe they just want to masturbate on the Falcon. <laughs> At the end of the day, everybody just wants to jerk off in the Falcon, right? You know, raising yeah. there, flicking the bean on the Falcon, you know? It's rightfully been ship at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, did, do you think uh, Han Solo left it to him in the will? Yeah, I don't think he had his will prepared. I don't He's think he Chewy knew that was going to be the day. Chewie in, in charge of the estate there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'll be a good year before Chewie gets any of those assets. This episode sucks, right? Um, yeah, it's a down, it's a downward spiral. Yeah, it's getting worse. You had high hopes for this episode. No, before I did Started, did not, did not. I knew that this was going to be a clusterfuck <laughs> of an episode. I got got Steve over there opening coffins and shit. Yeah, why is that? <laughs> oh man! All right, he it- got real defensive there. Yeah. Hey, oh, Tim. sorry. Did I interrupt you during something? Oh, my bad. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm a horrible. Person. <laughs> now she's just, just a horrible human right being. conversation. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a horrible human being. When did, when, no, when did, when did you, when did you find your voice? When, when did this happen? I don't know. Five, I, I don't know. Five minutes ago. Uh, Was that good? Sour three. Entertainment, <laughs> Entertainment Weekly spoke with Star Wars The Last Jedi Creatures designer Neil Scanlon about uh, the fox-like crystal – the crystal fox-like creatures in the film. They're called Voltices, and um, they uh, they can be seen in the trailers. Uh, I found this out. I was doing some research on it myself. Um, if you, if one, one of these Voltices is called a Voltex, that's the singular pronunciation. So mm. – yeah. I like that. Did you, yeah. did you see the video as well yes. of them doing the? Yes. Yeah, that was that was very cool. To say, those were all individual crystals. Every every piece of fur is an individual crystal. I thought that was fascinating to watch them work on it. Yeah, uh, Kelly Claiborne, one of our listeners, sent me that video. Didn't didn't the video? Didn't it say like twenty five thousand individual crystal strands for each of them? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. No, I saw the same video. Uh, yeah. It, they look fantastic. Right. I'm so excited to see them on screen. Yeah. It, uh, watching the trailer, it's amazing. Uh, they look great. And then, like, to find out that it's mostly a practical effect with these yeah. crystal foxes, these pieces. I was just kind of blown away by that. And and they look great. And basically what they do is, like, they'll capture it. They'll They'll capture it. And then, like, whatever they need to, as far as, like, the movements, like, these – or as them like running away um and their movements that's all done with cgi but they've already like they've already got like what they need from the practical effects so it's it's a mixture of practical and cgi which is really cool hmm, that is neat yeah. yeah i'm excited to see those I, I hope they um are more than just a set dressing oh that, a little something with that's them. what i'm getting into right now they talked with neil scanlon about the voltices in the film and they live on the planet of crate and that's going to be basically what we think is going to be like the whole third story act is like that's where the big battle is going to happen at the end of the film. And Scanlon said that they do serve a purpose in the film. His quote was, they live within the burrows and within the tunnels beneath the planet. So there is a time where their ability to shine within the darkness should provide a guiding light to our heroes. So, Ooh, nice pun. 
Well, I love I feel this. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I feel like they're just trying to make up for Boba Fett. What? And uh like <laughs> What the fuck like, are you talking like, about? Are, We're talking about okay. foxes and you're talking about Boba right, Fett? Right, 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 right. Okay. So in the original series, everybody was all excited about Boba Fett because of how he looked. And he got nothing out of him besides getting eaten by some pet. Yeah. So here they're like, listen, they look amazing and we've got a great story Steve, behind come it. on, stop it. If you're going to compare <laughs> Boba Fett to any character, you're going to compare him to Phasma. Knock it off. Come on. You're not comparing we, Boba Fett to Crystal Foxes. Get out of here. But they got to make up for Phasma as well, no, though. They, they're not going to make up for Phasma with Crystal Foxes on the planet of Crate. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Get out! What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, and I think you've been smoking some of the crystal meth that these foxes are producing when they take a shit. I don't know what you're talking about right now. <laughs> okay. You did say he was all about the trees earlier. <laughs> <laughs> you, say, you smoking them trees, Steve? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm 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 coming off like a dick, and I'm realizing it now, and I feel horrible. Oh but, no! Uh, don't get self-aware now. I, <laughs> no, I, three hours in. I'm sorry, dude. I gotta call you out on this. This sound, that that's that sounds that sounds crazy to me. That they're, they're trying. I'm just thinking. No, but here's my thing. Like I know it sounds extreme, but creatures designer creatures designer Neil Scanlon is gonna make up for Boba Fett yeah. with these no, no, crystal boxes. Like, we have actual practical effects, do we not? He's talking about using actual real life dolls with actual crystals and everything else. Sure. I'm talking about real things. They're going up. I'm talking about to the effect of. Ryan Johnson is making sure that he's covering all aspects. Right. That's the and mission making, statement. They have it on the wall. And that's Nothing what I'm will ever look like, cool and be useless again. That's, but that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, it sounds stupid, but that, isn't that what Boba Fett was? He looked awesome, and he turned out to be a stupid role. And then he turned out to be some clone. I, I don't see. I don't see where you're making this connection here. Where like Neil Scanlon is saying we're going to right the wrongs of Boba Fett. These crystal foxes are going to do shit. You're right. So I'm not saying they're righting the wrongs of Boba Fett. I'm saying that they're trying to make sure that everything yeah, actually serves an actual purpose. Boba Fett created this narrative as well. I get what Steve is saying. I get, just say that then. Don't throw it Boba Fett into the conversation. Just say like I'm just throwing. I'm just throwing my thoughts out there. You want my thoughts? I'm giving you what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to get? What do you want me to tell you, Brian? I can, I'm so you want me to tell you right my... now. I'm so confused, uh, Steve. If you're gonna um, no, but if you're gonna say asinine shit like that, I gotta say something. <laughs> I, I, I'm not disagreeing with that either. I'm giving it a shot. You're saying it's stupid. Okay, I'll try again later. <laughs> oh my god! Next time, what, what do you want me to? What do you want me to tell you? Like, no, like, like you're right, I, dude. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm talking about these crystal foxes, the Voltises. Like next thing you know, like Steve's talking about Red Fox, the African American actor and comedian that was in Sanford and Son. And, uh, I don't know what's going on anymore. I've totally – I've lost control of the show. Lost Sorry. I'll, I'll just hit mute again. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Boba Fett and Crystal Foxes, they've <laughs> – Think about it, Brian. Just think about it. <laughs> Boba Fett created this world where nothing Listen, can just I'm, look I'm, cool now. No. Like everything has to look cool and have a purpose. I think that's what Steve's getting at. I right? don't. I don't. Yeah, but I don't think yes, that. Yes. Yes. I don't think that. that no, but no, but fuck me, right? 
Yeah, because I, I honestly I think there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of like set dressing in Star Wars that just looks cool and you don't know the whole story. Like when you're like little scenes like on little planets where you see like an alien just sitting there and they eat a bug. I don't need the explanation. I don't need the whole backstory of that little creature or I don't need to know right. everything about Salacious Crumb. I just – they're there. They look cool. They, nothing – not everything has to serve a purpose. Not every character in the cantina needs to do something. I don't need to know everything about everything. Um, and But Boba Fett, part of the cool thing about him was the mystery. So I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, man. I don't. I did. I just didn't understand where like the connection between the Crystal Fox and and Boba Fett was there. I was like, I was like, where 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 are we going? I okay, you're right. I didn't explain myself properly in the beginning. You're right. My apologies, but you're right. It makes sense. All right. And now you're bad mouthing salacious crumb. No, I honestly, I, th- <laughs> I I still think Steve thinks he's right. He's just like, God damn it! I just this is how you shut Brian up. I feel, you know, this is, you just agree. Well, Brian, you're not wrong. <laughs> just, just become indignant and then you'll move on. This is what my, no, seriously, like this, you know, I, you know, Brian, you make a good point. I said, no, I saw my mom do this to my father for years. So it's like, I'm no stranger. <laughs> so, <laughs> my dad is not even, he's a shell of a human being right now. I don't, I don't even think my dad knows who he is internally. Like my dad's internal monologue is probably my mother's voice. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but that just that means so much more after hearing your Joe Stark interview. It's just it's great. Uh, anyway, here we go. Here we go. Um, so his quote, I found his quote very interesting. I, I don't know what we can take from it. Um, I, I can, you know, we can theorize. He says, uh, you know, they live within the burrows and within the tunnels beneath the planet. So there is a time where their ability to shine within the darkness should provide a guiding light to our heroes. Jake, I was thinking to myself about this. Um, and I wanted to know, like, I had theories, but I wanted to know, like, if my theories even made sense. So I did a little bit more looking up on these creatures on Wikipedia, and it said Volptices were a species of fox-like creatures that lived within burrows and tunnels beneath the surface of the salt-covered mineral planet of Crate. They were distinguished by their white crystalline fur. After the Rebel Alliance abandoned their outpost on the planet, the foxes had come to roam free through the abandoned structures. Decades later, the Volptices were present on Crate around the time of a battle that broke out between the First Order and the Resistance on the planet's surface. Um, Neil Scanlon even said this about the Volptices. He said, uh, the theory is they fed off this planet for so long that their fur has become crystalline. Um, they've taken on the very surface of the planet that they live on. So I was thinking to myself, like, they've lived on the planet for so long that they they now are taking after it. Um, wouldn't they want to protect it if they're a part of the planet? So we know that the Rebel Alliance, uh, the Alliance had, like, an outpost there, and they it doesn't sound like they really disturbed the Volptises when they were there. And Maybe the Volptices are smart enough to kind of know that, that they know that the Rebel Alliance are good. And, you know, Leia has been there before, and that, that's, that's canon in the, it's in Leia, Princess of Alderaan, that story. And so maybe she's formed a friendship 
with the Voltices. And I know that's a stretch, but it kind of isn't. No, I, I like what you're saying. It's not that they're an yeah. apology for Boba Fett. It's that they're an apology for the Gungans, basically. They're the better version of that. Yeah, yeah. And, well, uh, we've seen Re- uh, Ezra. Uh, and seriously? We've seen we've seen Ezra in the... <laughs> we've seen, Shut up, Steve. No, I, I'm liking what Jake's putting down here, man. I, God, uh, Steve, Steve I, I just didn't understand Boba Fett and Crystal Fox is what they had to do with one another. I'm sorry. I I love you, man, but man, that was just some. I thought, I thought that was. I thought that was. Jake understood. I thought that was an like like Boba Fett's the the, the most sum up word. Oh God, can we get off of this left field bullshit you're on? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking like we might see a scene. I don't know. We we could see a scene of like, and we know that we're getting some spaceship battles. We've seen the Falcon flying through the tunnels in crate, and we know that it, that, that there's going to be some first order fighters behind them. And wouldn't it be cool a scene of like all these crystal foxes lighting up and guiding the way for the Falcon? And then all of a sudden when the Falcon gets free, when they let, when they guide the Falcon out, the, they just, the crystal foxes just turn off the lights for the first order and they just crash within the planet. Even, maybe even sacrificing a few of them. Or it could be Ray walking through the tunnels of crate to get out and they're and they're lighting the way for for ray or other characters because we we have seen that scene of kylo ren and some of the stormtroopers behind him walking through the tunnels within crate i just think there's a lot that they can do with these crystal foxes to make them to make them very interesting and i'm i'm really looking forward to this yeah, I like the idea you're putting out there of the illumination being used as some kind of force or weapon to stop the enemy. I think that's a really nifty idea. Yeah, yeah. This battle is going to be amazing because we already know we're getting uh, AT-ATs in the battle. We're getting uh, ATSTs. We've got the Gorilla Walkers, and they're trying to take down these Gorilla Walkers, and they can't take them down the old way like they used to because the Gorilla Walkers can snap the – the cables or they're able to like lift up off their hind legs or something like that. And, and, and they can't take them down like they used to. So now they don't, they have like these speeders. They're picking up like these gigantic crystals within crate and dropping them on the ATSTs is the rumor and the gorilla walkers. I'm like, there's going to be so many visually, visually cool things in this film. I can't wait to see. Yeah, I think Ryan Johnson's going to really take some bold moves with those kind of visuals too. It's not just going to be yeah. kind of, you know, cut and paste Star Wars stuff. So yeah, and I'm thinking like, you know, like okay, the rebels had like their outposts there on that planet for so long, and they didn't harm or disturb the foxes as far as we know. And so I feel like maybe the foxes know these these Voltices know that like that they that they're going to pick a side. They're they're that smart and that aware that they could pick a side here, and they know that the the first order is there to actually harm the planet. And, and so, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I can't wait for this third act, uh, this battle of the crate. They've really been kind of like teasing it. And I mean, just that shot in the trailer of all those fucking ATSTs, the gorilla walkers all lined up has me like, like, this is a fucking showdown and I can't wait. So. Yeah. Uh, oh man. The third act of any Star Wars movie is just always just so much excitement. I so. know you, you might, you might have fucking teddy bears. Killing stormtroopers in a forest. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> you do. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> I just want. I just want crystal foxes to be the redemption for Boba Fett. That's all I'm asking. 
Right the wrongs of Boba Fett with crystal foxes. Do it. Make it happen. Steve's like, fuck you, man. I'm staying I muted. I know. I was waiting for Steve. Steve's like, <laughs> fuck you. I'm staying muted, man. Fuck you. Steve, I think Steve bounced. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's finish it off here with uh, Andy Serkis talking to, uh, to EW about Snoke. Here's his quotes. Um, these crystal foxes, they're going to fix Boba Fett. <laughs> Finally, I'm so excited. Like, as long as he shines. Yeah. No, he says, the thing about Snoke is that he is extremely strong with the Force, the dark side of the Force. He's terribly powerful, of course, but he is also a very vulnerable and wounded character. He has suffered and he has suffered injury. The way that his malevolence comes out is in reaction to that. His hatred of the resistance is fueled by what's happened to him personally. So his story, whatever it is, sounds like we will find it out eventually. And that it is a very personal story. Um, and it feels like this is, uh, whatever he's setting up here is, it's vengeance. It's all vengeance. So. Can I ask a question? Yeah. So what do you guys think of Snoke introducing a new type of religion similar to Sith, and that's what Ryan Johnson's trilogy is about. A new hmm. dark side religion. Would we be going forward and learning about this religion, or would we be learning about this religion from the past? I would say both, but I don't... Ryan Johnson and his writing, but because of Looper, could go either way. Well, Jake, hmm. you got, Jake, you know, we know if, if, if the statements are true from J.J. and Andy Serkis, this character is a thousand years old. Right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that would definitely lend it lend itself to Be learning it. stuff about the past of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. I know. like it. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, they never did like come right out. As far as I know, has StarWars.com ever come out and said like this is these are Sith? No. From my understanding, Snoke is specifically not Sith. Yeah. Yeah, Steve's so right. My, so my understanding is that they're trying to introduce a new villain. That's been stated in canon that he's not Sith in one of the books or something? Uh, see, that's a, that's a good question. I'm just wondering. Yeah, I, it's one of those things where, like, I am I just remember reading articles where they're like, yeah, we we haven't heard any confirmation that he's Sith or not. So, I mean, if I, – I don't know. I mean, I'd have to – I, I don't know if StarWars.com has him listed as a Sith, if that's been revealed or not. So No idea. Yeah. I just know that he's an alien that supposedly is a thousand years old and whatever quotes we have here from Circus. So I don't know. He's, he's using the dark side, and it's not like you have to be a Jedi to use the Force either. So... Yeah, yeah, he definitely has some connection to the Force, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm just wondering if maybe they're moving, in terms of of the antagonist, they're moving more towards the middle like we think they're doing with the Jedis as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, do you think, like, I mean, I understand, like, Ryan Johnson, you know, with his new trilogy, wanting to do something new and, like, introduce new concepts to Star Wars, new planets and new places, new characters, and explore things that haven't been explored. But I can't ever see a world in Star Wars. I can't ever see, like, movies coming out where there's, like, where there's no Jedi and no, 
and no lightsabers. You know, like going forward, like, hey, guys, like you're not getting your Jedi. You're not getting your lightsabers. We might do a Knights of the Old Republic, but like we're done. You know, it's funny. Just you explaining it that way made me think back to I think it was what was the game? Star Wars Galaxies, I think, was the name of it. It was one of the first online MMOs. Yeah. Star Wars MMOs. Yeah. Yeah. Based off of that. And that was that was a huge thing. They launched. So when they launched, they had this complicated system where it was random and in the background, whether you could even be potentially a Jedi and then this whole complex thing to, to unlock it that they didn't tell you how to unlock. So it was, you had literally no Jedis for most of the start of the game. And that was a, there was a huge backlash about that. People were downright angry that they couldn't play a Jedi. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. You know, I, I think you have just, to you have to transcend that though, or the franchise can't live forever. I, I'm just saying, I don't but, disagree. Yeah, I don't disagree. But my whole point. They just make a rogue Jedi like community just goes this different direction, and you have a new religion based off of Jedi's, and they still use. The yeah, I think, lightsaber. I think I think we're using the term Jedi a little 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 loose here, but I mean. You definitely, I mean, that's, we're talking about the traditional Jedi going away possibly as part of this story of where Luke ends up taking the order to. It's yeah, not, not yeah. that far fetched to not say the traditional Jedi will be gone, but you right. still have, you know, some form of it. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Cause like, that's where we are in the story now. If, if Luke is saying like, it's time for the Jedi to end, like that's, they could literally do that if they oh, want to. They could name the movie that. Holy shit! But wouldn't that uh-huh. go the same direction then for the villain? Wouldn't we be introduced to something new instead of the Sith? And wouldn't Snoke represent that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could you could absolutely do that. I mean, and 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 they've kind of set it up to where they could possibly do that with not saying you know that Snoke is like Sith. I mean, absolutely, they could introduce something new. It's just I'm I'm just trying to understand like. Disney taking this property forward and I'm just still saying like I understand you need to introduce new concepts to keep the prop the 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 property fresh but on the flip side I can't see a world it's still hard for me to see like Star Wars moving forward without Jedi and without lightsabers like that's Star Wars to me and I mean if they can introduce something new that can like distract me, like a new shiny new toy, if they jingle some new keys at me, and I'm like, oh, okay, let me go over here and check this out. That's okay. If you can get, if you can pull that off, uh, good luck. I mean, that's gonna be that's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. Yeah, it's gonna be a tough trick, but it's a trick. I think they definitely need to try to attempt. Yeah, I just, I well, Jake, I, I'm saying like people have been obsessed. <laughs> People have been obsessed with Jedi and lightsabers for the, for the past forty years. I, 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 I don't, I don't see it going away. Yeah, but those people haven't had a Star Wars movie every year. Yeah, you can so, say that now, that but much. but we're literally, we are literally three years into this. Not even three years into this. I mean, they like Lucasfilm acquired. I know they're looking towards the future. I get it. I totally get it. But we're we're are we're literally we just got the Force Awakens and Rogue One. I mean, and, you know, I'm just saying, like, that's, we're looking, I, I think we have many more years of, of, of kids picking up a light, of children picking up a lightsaber, uh, toy lightsaber for the first time and battling their friends in their backyard and still having fun with it. 
I just don't. No, I don't disagree. I think in a perfect world, you do both things. Like you figure out how to, how to do that and make other movies in this universe that aren't codependent on needing lightsabers. Mm -hmm. Like that's in a perfect world. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What What are you thinking, Eric? You know, uh, one thing that you said that got my going back to what you were talking about VR headsets. Kids don't go outside, but what, but you use that VR lightsaber battle in the uh, movie theater before it starts. Hey, I'm all in on that. Then I'll do yeah, that. Yeah, I'll fight you in the lightsaber battle right before the movie. There's something. There's something about lightsabers, man. That just want eat. they were so at Austin Comic Con. They had a bunch of handmade lightsabers, and they were just gorgeous. And I'm looking at them, $250, $350 to start yeah. for the cheap ones. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, Brian, I just yeah. want to make sure you understand. I'm not saying the lightsaber is going away. I'm saying the Jedi will go away, but lightsabers and the Force will stay. No, Steve, I totally get it, man. Like, they're... Oh, okay, okay. I, dude, dude, I totally get it. Like, that could definitely happen, man. Like, we are in, we're in a really weird place in this Star Wars film and, like, what they're setting up and it, what we've seen from Rebels with Grey Jedi. Like, we could actually see, like, you know, the Jedi as we know it go away. And, you know, like, the weapon of the Jedi was the lightsaber. So, like, if one goes, the other one very well could go as well. And so, I'm just trying to, like, grasp or come to terms that, like, could we see a Star Wars film universe going forward where future right. stories being told in this universe don't deal with the Jedi and we don't get, like, lightsabers like we have in the past? I mean, I, no, I, I think I think you get it on the head. We'll always have lightsabers in some form or fashion. That doesn't mean you're not going to do a TV show. Uh, you know, if you do, a like, a bounty hunter level TV show, maybe. You know, then you're, you got reasons not to have it. But as long as you were telling stories about force users, I cannot see a day where there's not a lightsaber involved. It's you know, just too iconic. It's like Star Trek not having the Enterprise or it's like, it's right, like, right. it's like Doctor Who not having the sonic screwdriver. I mean, it's, it's, it's lightsabers and Star Wars. Crazy talk. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, but I mean, I still think it'd be interesting to see stories about characters that don't deal in lightsabers. I'm not disagreeing with that at all. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the state of the film of the Last Jedi and what the questions that it raises and the possible outcomes that could happen from this film. One of those outcomes is that Luke is the Last Jedi, and out with the yeah. old, in with the new. And if that happens, that means that all future stories in this universe could be without Jedi influence and without lightsabers. That's story-wise. So bottom line, I'm sorry. What, because I mean, right, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna, the lightsaber is you know a romantic weapon by choice of the Jedi. So it almost like you make a lot of sense. Like if the Jedi goes away, the lightsaber isn't really the most practical war weapon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Air it's flip. used as more of a status symbol and showing who they are than it is that it's like this, you know, super powerful weapon, right? Yeah. yeah. So do you think we have a lightsaber in Ryan Johnson's trilogy? Yes. I would say no. Uh, I would say yes. I would guess yes, but that's me. I would say yeah. no. I would say, if I had to guess, I would say no. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but it's like He's taking us to, you know, um, 
an, a part of the galaxy we haven't been before with all new characters, all new places. And I mean, if this is going to be the place where they want to introduce these new concepts, Ryan Johnson might be the guy to try to tackle that. Like he's going to be the guy to yeah. tackle a new film that doesn't deal with Jedi, that doesn't deal with lightsabers. It's an interesting yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. I I I'll, had never even considered that before we started talking about this. I mean, the idea of having any now there are exceptions. For instance, you know, Rogue One or a Bounty Hunter story, where you know it makes sense not to have lightsabers. Yeah, but just a general story, the idea never occurred to me that we wouldn't have them again at some point. But the Force was still a part of that story. I mean, they, yeah, they, no, I get they, it. Yeah. I, I hadn't even considered it until right. now. I mean, like Rogue One, they still went to Jeddah, which was like the mecca of you know the force and like that's where they got the kyber crystals and and you still had you know cheered Imway, who i believe was definitely one with the force in one way or the other um yes so it, it'll be interesting to see if ryan johnson does a trilogy where there's like zero force users yeah, you uh, hit it right there you said i mean like you said we've already gotten a story with force users with no no lightsabers yeah yeah it's been done you're absolutely right Wow. Yeah, we got deep there, boys. It's not because. like Rogue One was that innovative, though. Like, if, if, they still no. shoved as many things to remind you that it was Star Wars. No, but no, we had, we had that conversation. I, it still sparked conversations that we've never had before. Questions of, is that character Force-sensitive? You know, I, I guess you could say that about Leia, because, you know, but Yoda kind of confirmed that. But, like, even leaving the movie Rogue One, people were still arguing, like, was Chirademway force sensitive? You know, and I, I guarantee if you talk to people now, there's still some people that think he wasn't. So I don't know, yeah. man. It's I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. And even if Ryan Johnson does get rid of lightsabers, that's what the Star Wars stories are for. I mean, there's still yeah. a glut of sure. stuff you can tell. Like oh. if they do the Obi Wan right. trilogy. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And like you know they're gonna they're, eventually they're gonna do a Knights of the Old Republic. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Eventually it'll happen. Either oh. either it's going to be on the new Disney streaming service or it's going to be a film. It's it's going to happen. What do you got? What do you got, Steve? I think we won't get the actual original iteration of the the lightsaber until the second story of Ryan Johnson's trilogy. I think we'll be introduced into something new. Mm-hmm. Not saying it's a weapon, but it's something unique and different that identifies as Ryan Johnson, and then it might go up against. The lightsaber or go alongside it. How would you guys feel about a Star Wars legacy film? Would would you guys like that where they jump maybe ahead? What do you uh, mean? A hundred years. Oh, I, I've been saying that since that's what I've wanted since the beginning. Like when I was rebelling against bringing like Hamill and Ford back, that's what I was wanting. They can't really do that though until we kind of figure out like what's what's happened with this trilogy, right? Because like because we don't know, like, if they have characters, like, if, if you're calling it Legacy, that means that the characters that you're, that, that we're getting in Legacy are going to be characters that we've, that are going to be related to characters that we've seen in other films. Um, then we got to be at least 500 years in the future or later. To. Because that way they can keep it vague enough in yeah. the dialogue where it's like you don't want well, to turn that, up as this yeah, person that, that's if, so they don't have to worry about what could be future movies. That's if that's yeah. if that's if like, you know, that's if basically we're getting nerdy. We are getting nerdy as fuck right now. <laughs> so what? I, I don't yeah. I got a question that I kinda wanna notes. ask that what I've been thinking of with this Ryan Johnson stuff and yeah. the lightsaber talk is like 
if you strip it all down, what do you have to leave in the Ryan Johnson Star Wars movie to still identify it as a Star Wars movie? Yeah, I mean, well, like, I mean, who knows? I mean, we did not get an opening crawl in Rogue One. We're probably we're definitely not going to get one in the Han Solo film, right? Yeah, but Rogue One was highly identifiable as a Star Wars movie by having like R two D two and C three PO shoved up your ass. Exactly. All I'm saying is like there, there's things that you know. I'm talking like what what are those pieces that we're not going to get in that film? Well, that's one of them. We're not going to get a crawl. So what can we put in those? I, we're going to get Star Wars droids, right? I mean, it, yeah, you know. droids. The music will always be yeah. like orchestra music. I think. I think you have to keep that. Sure. But what's his? But what's his face is writing Han Solo, who is the one of the last Godfathers of the Star Wars original trilogy? No. Could he? Could he actually include a crawl? I, I, hmm. think, I think you do that. I think you do that in the episodes, the actual saga films. I mean, yeah, I think that's when, the mandate at this point. But they're saying this is one of the best scripts they've ever had, and this is one of the original writers for the story. So if he has a crawl in it, don't you think Kathleen Candy is going to mandate it, especially if they fired Lord and Miller? A crawl in in the Han Solo film? Yeah, I'm guessing no. I don't yeah, think okay. so. I don't believe that there will be a crawl in the Han Solo film. Okay. It's going to start like a James Bond movie, and a crawl would totally destroy that feeling. Well, the movie spans six years. I mean, basically, the crawl is meant to give you, like, let's say, like, if if um, if we're only getting one year of the story, the crawl is going to tell you about the five previous years. In this Han Solo film, we're getting a span of Han Solo from the years of 18 to 24, I don't yeah. need I don't need a crawl to tell me about his earlier teenage years and how he got here or like what this is setting you're up. Right. That Just, makes, you're gonna that get makes a, you're sense. gonna get a cold you're open right. that does that, Steve. It's gonna be an exciting action set piece cold open yeah. where you see a lick of credit. If I were to guess, no, no, you're if, right. I I forgot his story was not episodic. Yeah, that's that's my fault. If I were to right. guess, like yeah. how the Han Solo movie is gonna start out, it's gonna start off with Han Solo in his uh, speeder racing against another alien. You know, for like, you know, this is going to be like American graffiti racing for pinks. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And, and Kira's right next to him. And like, and that, it's just going to start out with that action, you know. God, um, that's a, yeah. yeah, that makes so much sense with the homage because it's Lucas and everything. Oh, yeah, that yeah. makes so much sense. Yeah. So, yeah, it definitely going to start out. I think cold open for sure. I'd bet my life on a Han Solo cold open. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Okay, I'm with you. That I, makes so much sense. This is hey hey I thought the episode sucked and then I think I think it picked up a little bit because I had a lot of fun talking about Star Wars with you guys that was fun that was some fun Aww. shit it, yeah always yeah that was some good we got we got deep on some shit there so anyway uh, I want to thank I want to thank Steve again for joining us Steve you are from Scenic Cast and the Scenic Cast network of shows and I used to give you so many so much shit. For all your different fucking channels and stuff like that, and I'm getting right up there with you. I'm getting like, I, yeah, yeah, you know. So uh, go ahead and take some time to tell our listeners about like what you have to offer at Scenic Cast and some of the other channels that you have available. Yeah, my two major channels are Scenic Movie Reviews and the Watchlist. If you just want, you know, look at our movie reviews or what we were watching with television. But other than that, we have uh, solo channels. First, I got you know thank Brian again for giving us the title of it, but. Mr. Robot's Neighborhood. We're reviewing Mr. Robot Season 3 right now. Uh, Cove and I are loving it, so please tune on that. Uh, but in everything else, Netflix, I, I, what, what I want to focus on the most, though, is 
tied to the MCU because uh, that channel is on a, a, a short hiatus, but I've invited everybody within the Leftover Army to let me know what movies they would like to review with me. And I'm just going through a journey and understanding of what these movies mean to everybody within the Leftover Army, and I'm having a great time doing it. We've reviewed the first five – or yeah – was it five movies or six movies for phase one? Yeah, six movies for phase one, all the way from Iron Man to Avengers. And it's been an amazing time. Everybody that's been on it and everybody's going to be on it, I'm so excited. And it's just been a great ride. And that's really what I'll focus on with that for uh, plugging myself is tied to the MCU. Please check that out. Please give us the reviews on that because that's the army. That's everybody else, like just loving the MCU or not loving it. Depending on what movie it is, Brian, maybe you'd like to come on for uh, Iron Man three. No, Who knows? No, I, I, I'll be honest <laughs> with you. Like I made, I, I told on the episode, I said I will never watch this movie again, and uh, I have not watched Iron Man three since I originally watched it theatrically. So no, no, that's fun. I, I had to yeah. try. I had to try. No, but I, please, I get it. Uh, I get it. I, I maybe one. I think one of these days I will break. I will break. I'm just not there yet. Like. I, I'm so I'm so fucking stubborn, man. I'm so fucking stubborn. I think one of these days I will break. I will break and watch it, but I haven't, man. That's crazy. All, all that nerd rage over the Mandarin. Yeah, it's not that bad. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. It's terrible. Oh well, God. I do have uh, Luther Shaver and uh, David Isaac on my Iron Man crew, so. We will be coming in sometime in December for Iron Man 3, so keep yeah. a lookout. But, yeah, all of Phase 1 has been completed. I've been going through because I have the special edition, like, Phase 1, Phase 2 DVD collections. So I'm able, uh, I'm able to go through everything, and it's a lot of fun going through the journey of just talking about everything. And just it's, – it's less of a review of the movie and more of our journey and experience through the MCU within that movie. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Uh, please check it out. Yeah, because everybody's seen the movies. We all know what happens. It's way more interesting to hear about your personal experiences and things like that, so that's cool. Yeah, so that's what I've been doing with the uh, Tide to the MCU. So, yeah, we're six episodes in. Please check it out. Eric Wade, who gives a fuck what you're doing? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a Wade-free episode. <laughs> it is not a Wade-free episode. Now, uh, sorry about that. Eric Wade can be heard on the Supercast most weeks, correct? Yes, yes. I, like I said, until they figure out how to block me on Skype, I, I keep bowing and joining. And it's just too much work to keep kicking me, so they let me hang out there. Uh, you know, I do want to get a plug to uh, to Jordan. Yeah. Uh, and and the work he's done, because so uh, I think he just announced it on Facebook. I know he brought it up on the podcast this weekend, but we're gonna be doing an interview with uh, Athena Finger. This week, who is the daughter of Bill Finger from Bill and the Batman? Oh my God, are you serious? Yeah, Jordan, Jordan what? popped that on us a couple weeks ago and let us know, and she's agreed to do an interview. She's excited to to, to join us. Oh, that's fantastic! So, uh, that is great. Yeah, what, ch- what channel is this for? Su- this is for the Supercast, the podcast that I'm on with Jordan and David oh. and Joe. Wow. So yeah, so it's very cool. So we'll boot. So I'm not. I, I'm thinking he's going to just drop that alone as a standalone special. Um, 
because we'll, we'll be recording with her and get to talk to her. So got to go back this week and rewatch uh, Bill the Batman again, which is a great documentary for anyone that has not seen it. Yeah, it's um, great. Check it out. But yeah, looking forward to talking to her. Yeah, it's called Batman and Bill, and I believe it's on Hulu. Batman correct? and Bill. Thank you. Yeah, it's on Hulu, yeah. right? Yeah, so definitely check it. It's a great documentary, and it. Oh my God! I you, you watch that and you're just like fuck Bob Kane, fuck yep, Bob Kane. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. It's like Bill Finger died alone in an apartment, and he's, in my opinion, the true creator of Batman. You know, it's like yeah. Bob went to him with just an idea and then a shitty sketch of like what he thought it, Batman should look like, and it was Bill Finger that brought that character to life and never got any credit. It's just sickening just fucking sickening so yeah it, it really is so we said so jordan kudos to him man yeah tracking her yeah. down stalking her however he did it to, <laughs> to set that up so that's great i always love it like when i get to hear my friends like interview some of these people that uh that are like uh ryan drost from the star joe's podcast last year he got to interview mark wade and that was a really cool lesson so um, yeah, I always listen. I I love listening to my friends talk to these people, so I can't wait for that. All right, awesome. yeah. Hey, yeah. Before we wrap here, and we're gonna wrap. Uh, Eric, we, you didn't talk about it in Good Pop, Bad Pop, but Shannara Chronicles. Did you like the ending? Was it good? Yes. Okay, yes. so I'll binge it. Yeah. Then. So, so ne- next next time we're I, so. All I'll say is, is none, none of this is spoilery, but sure. it's it's an interesting show. We don't have a lot of shows like this, like you know, Brian, yeah. um, that are on. So it, it's really kind of funny. It moved to Spike TV this year yeah. from MTV, and it, yeah. it's like Game of Thrones and a CW show had sex, and this is the <laughs> baby that came out. The practice, I'm curious to see after you watch it, yeah. the, 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 the effects. I mean, cause you'll have some really good effects oh, considering yeah. it's TV. Oh my god, and the, then you'll the have villain. these ones that you're like, what the hell are they yeah. using for blood? Is that like ketchup or something? It's some <laughs> of the worst blood I've ever seen on screen. But, and it's, it's all a dirty world, but they're all clean and bright colors, and yeah. it's just it's an interesting mix of of how this world, how they're bringing it to the screen. Yeah, I, I, the villain this year, the, well, the villain last year was terrifying looking, and like the villain that they brought in this year just looks terrifying as all fuck. I couldn't believe like how the character designs on these villains, how good they looked. I was just yeah, yeah. And it's an interesting mix in the show of that. Some really good designs and some really interesting choices. And then, of course, they're all the, you know, the tanned, young, you know, late 18, 19 year old kids. The only one that I really have a problem with is I've never liked the lead actor that plays Will. Me either. Me either. I cannot stand him. Everyone else, I think, is pretty darn good. And Manu Bennett, I mean,. I don't care what Mono Bennett's doing. I I love him. He's a great actor. Yeah, I think he does a great they, job. So well, they had John Reese Davies from the, in the first season. Yes, from fucking Indiana Jones. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. So so yeah, I I would recommend giving it a watch. So okay. I'm hoping they get a season three. I'm hoping we hear officially that because there's still plenty of story to tell. Yeah, but that network's dead. Yeah, we, yeah, but it's still. <laughs> they're just changing names, though, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, well, they're, it's Paramount. Paramount's basically having their own network, and they're like rebranding everything. So if if it if Paramount feels like that's part of like that would work within their new network, then I'm hoping. Network, yeah, yeah, yeah I hope that they bring it back. 
Yeah, I, I I like it. I like what they've done. I think you know it, it's it's definitely a, I would call it a a high Tupperware. Nice. I, I mean it's. It's, really it's good. good. I yeah. Think. You can watch the first season, uh, for any of our listeners that have not watched the Shannara Chronicles, the first season is available on Netflix. And it's, the whole thing is based on a, uh, youth adult novel, um, it's a set of books or whatever. So I enjoyed the first season. So check it out. All right. Cool. All right. And, uh, just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace out, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap! Could it toss it, could it take it? Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, paint it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the chaff. And we're the chaff, the crap, no the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, hate it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't embrace it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.